channel. Welcome to El Oso Fumar Takes. This is our 230th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so honored to be with you all tonight. This is the fifth anniversary of El Oso Fumar Takes tonight, and we're celebrating with a band of incredible gentlemen. Can't wait to get to introductions here in just a moment uh, because it is a big night for our show, and we're so excited to be bringing it to you live tonight. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started. And we can't get started without thanking the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Juristate. Juristate has announced once again the limited edition Liga Provada Unico Siri Pancetta, the four and three quarter by 50 short Bellicoso, is returning once again to Wooden Indian Tobacco Shop in Havertown, Pennsylvania, and Barrister Cigars in Union, New Jersey. Like all the other Pancetta releases, the 2022 edition will be available exclusively at these two stores. A union of two beloved powerhouse Liga Provada blends, Liga Provada T52 and Liga Provada Unico's Feral Flying Pig, Liga Provada Unico Siri Pancetta combines the Connecticut stock cut and, st and stock cured Habano Kappa that wraps the Liga Provada T52 with Liga Provada Unico Siri, Feral Flying Pigs, Bold Brazilian Matafina Capote, and Intense Nicaraguan and Honduran Tripa Leaves to present a majestic, savory, spicy, hearty, intense, and unforgettable smoking experience. So check out these two wonderful purveyors to get your Liga Provada um, Unico Siri Pancetta today. Thank you so much, everybody, and welcome. This is our 230th take. Uh, Presenting from Azel, Texas, here at the Lone Star Studios. Um, so excited to be with you tonight. Happy fifth anniversary to myself. But more importantly, thank you to the gentleman that decided to, to join tonight. Uh, it's my privilege and my pleasure and my honor to welcome these gentlemen. We have Tim Wong, Aaron Loomis, Ben Lee, and Aaron Nielsen. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Good evening, fellas. How are you? It is amazing. Fantastic evening. Everyone seems to be cold, though, except for I think Aaron. I think I think Aaron in uh, California is, is the only one that's actually comfortable tonight. I'm very comfortable this evening. Yes, <laughs> it's the only one in short I gotta, sleeves. Hey, I gotta tell you, Bear, really quickly. After uh, five years of this, you still don't do those reads as good as Coop does. You gotta work on your. Uh, your I know, man. Voice. I know, dude. Hey, listen. It's 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 experience that just <laughs> that drives that. And you know, speaking of speaking of Coop, he wanted to be here tonight. Um, and, uh, it just wasn't possible, unfortunately, but, uh, he encouraged us to celebrate without him and he's with us in spirit. So that's, uh, that's our good friend, Will Cooper. Um, and, uh, and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see him on the next episode of, uh, Cigar Coop Primetime. We know that's going to happen. So, uh, but, had a boba tea here ready for him. Yeah. Uh, so first things first, what, what are we, what's everyone smoking tonight besides, uh, besides oxygen? Cause it's cold for everybody except for Aaron. All right. Well, I'll go first. Good evening, everybody. Fair congrats on the five years. And I, I had to go in some deep thought of what I was going to pull out first. I thought about the Espinosa with Tim, but that'll probably be my second choice. But I'm going with the Andalusian Bull. Nice. My first choice, because when I think of this cigar, I think of you, Bear. So that's <laughs> what I'm going first. Oddly shaped and tasty. That's what I'm going to take. Yeah, I'm going to take. That's the 100%. compliment I'm going to take. I just, it's the compliment yeah, I'm taking from that. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Loomis, are you smoking anything tonight? Uh, I'm not smoking that. I'm going to enjoy some uh, plain M and M's that I stole from my daughter's uh, Halloween candy. <laughs> that's, that's so I'll, I'll I'll hang in that. But yeah, uh, congratulations, Bear. Five years is amazing. Uh, thank you for uh, asking me to join in on this. So it'll be a great night. Awesome. Uh, ben, what do you uh, what do you smoke it in the uh, the mountains of North Carolina there? 
Well, I'm actually smoking uh, the same thing I smoked on our last show together. The Tatawahi K222. Nice. One of your one of their faves. One of your faves. Good stuff. Tim, uh, you were you've already smoked through one cigar through my introduction. Yeah. So uh, what's <laughs> what's the second cigar you decided to let it tonight? First of all, uh, Bear, I wanna, you know, I wanna thank you for having me on. I mean, nobody makes me feel older than you do because every year we do this and I appreciate you uh, bringing me on. It's now five and I, you know, I can't wait for 10, 15, and 20. I'll probably be old and decrepit, but uh, you know, I'll be more than happy to be on. Um, I'm smoking uh, a Pier 28 uh, Oscuro. That is, uh, of course, uh, one of my blends. And uh, I want to thank, uh, you know, our good friend Hector uh, at Espinosa for finding a few of these for letting me smoke it. Um, so it was what I smoked on episode one. It's what I smoked in episode 230. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. So um, I'm going to be lighting up a cigar too as well. But uh, uh, Tim, as the guest of uh, special, special guest of honor, I'm going to have you select my choice. I've got a uh, a box of Espinosa uh, 10th anniversary that's just waiting oh, yeah. to be cracked open. And then I also smoke have that. <laughs> so just, just that, just go with that. Don't even and, need to see the other choices. Oh, uh, yes, I have. Okay. It yes, is a fantastic cigar. I mean, uh, I've known, you know, Hector from the beginning. He is the master blender over there and he just keeps getting better and better. Both the Lizona uh, 10th anniversary and the Espinosa 10th anniversary, which are kind of twins, they were both put out uh, or introduced at the trade show this year in July. Fantastic blends, um, very well balanced, very rich cigars. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I really enjoy that 10th anniversary Espinosa. So I would say, yeah, if you haven't smoked it, absolutely give it a shot. So while we still have it, because I know it's very limited. All right. Well, let's crack this box open here. Yeah, you make it easy on me, Bear. Come on. What are the hard well, questions? I know. Sorry. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right. Well, speaking of hard questions, and, and I mean, I, I don't think Loomis could have played this any better. Um, so, uh, you know, with his with his Halloween candy. So there there are, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and there's like basically like three types of three types of things that kind of only appear around this time of year. Um, and I was I was wondering, like, what people's like opinions necessarily were on it. So. Uh, one, one of, there's three things here and look, one of them absolutely disgusts me and the other, like one, I could have, you know, one I could live or I could live without, but the other one is the only one that I feel like stays around for the whole year. Uh, but it's traditionally like associated with fall. So those, uh, those three things are candy corn, pumpkin pie, and basically apple cider. So, um, I absolutely love apple cider. I think it's fantastic, but, uh, but as far as like fall, like perennial things that just seem to come around only this time of year. Um, wanted to get everyone's favorite out of those, out of those three options here. So we'll, uh, we'll start with Nielsen. All right. So I feel like we're in the uh, one must go segment. So candy corn kind of is absolutely, I, I, candy corn is out. Like that stuff for me is just, and I love, as you guys know, anything sugar related, I'm down with, but candy corn, gotta go. Um, if I can only go with one, I'm gonna go keep around year round. I'm gonna go with the pumpkin pie. Um, I could have my, I, I probably have a little bit too much of a fill of apple cider after a while. Doesn't really necessarily quench the thirst, but pumpkin pie year round, a little whipped cream, some ice cream. I'm good to go with the uh, pumpkin pie. Okay, Tim. What about uh, Tim? What about you? Well, as you guys know, I don't um, I don't drink too much, so you know, I, apple cider is probably an easy one for me to kind of skip. 
sugar is my drug of choice. So you give me a hard decision here between candy corn and pumpkin pie because you actually like candy like- corn. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's sugar in its purest form. Come on. <laughs> how do you how do you not like that kind of stuff? And you know, we we only kind of focus on it once a year around Halloween, um, which is fine. But yeah, I mean, if I had to something, you know, twelve months out of the year, I would probably go with pumpkin pie as well, but only in pie form. I'm not a fan of pumpkin spice anything. Just give it to me in the the, the pie form, and yeah, throw some whipped cream on it, and I'm good with that. It's like they took the cool thing of pumpkin pie and they just destroyed it by putting it in everything else. It's just the, the world's worst I, thing. I don't need my coffee. I don't need anything else. Just give me the pie. All right, Loomis. What about you? Uh, I like all three. Um, I don't. I, I don't have a, a version. You like either. candy corn? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I was mean, not look, expecting this. I, I. I will. I like the original candy corn. I, you know, they they. Not just candy corn has done this, but pretty much everything has done this. Where they got to like make it uh every kind of flavor of everything like even now oreos have every kind of flavor right it's just like just have oreos like it's okay to to have your lane and stay in it but yeah uh, I'm, i haven't tried like this whole like thanksgiving where it's like supposed to be like turkey and gravy and cranberry and all that stuff i don't even know what, what they're trying to do with all that stuff but um <laughs> yeah i mean fuck I, out is what they're trying to do <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I would probably lean towards the pumpkin pie as well. Um, I mean, I love the apple cider. Um, I, uh, you know, I could drink that, but I think it's just kind of a, it's fine, you know, seasonally. Um, but yeah, I, I could go for pumpkin pie pretty much any time, I think. Pumpkin pie, the leader in the clubhouse so far. Yeah. So, um, Ben. Uh, well, I candy corn is just fucking disgusting. So... <laughs> I'm so sh- I'm so shocked. Lewis said he liked it. I'm 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 I don't know if I can do the rest of the show, guys. I'm just over here just. Baffling. Their rates a seven point three nine. Oh gosh, it's pretty close. Oh my gosh. Oh yes, wow, gross. I can't even. I can't. No, you weren't going past that because this just just grosses me out. <laughs> apple cider is freaking huge here in Western North Carolina. I mean, apple orchards all over it, but I've never really had it. I mean, I think I might have had it once. Wow. So I, really? you know, apple. Well, apple cider is nothing we don't we had on the, you know, the Gulf Coast. There's no Cajun version of it, so <laughs> we don't we don't know about That's apple fair. cider. But me, man, I'm a hundred percent about that pumpkin spice life. So I'll take the pumpkin pie all day, even as pumpkin spice scent of the day. I'm sure. Of course, I do. Yeah, I knew you did. Oh gosh. I, I'm I'm shocked at the amount of people on this panel that like candy corn. It it blows my mind. It's the world. I I'm just so dis- I'm so disgusted by it. My wife my wife loves it, so it's like always in our house like this time of year. And like she brings or you get those little pumpkins bags. that are the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. Those little oh yeah. Pumpkins, yeah. Yeah. She she even made a TikTok video. I shit you not this year, guys. I gotta find it and I'll I'll like post it on the page. It's like, but it's like this obsessed video of like how great candy corn is, and it's just like I, like I. I just, I'm just so grossed out. It's so awful, but yeah, no, I thought that would be a fun thing to kind of kick. It, it kind of, it, it's, it's weird because like I could, I could do apple cider any time of year. Like, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily too seasonal, but yet it, it tends to only come around the same a pumpkin pie. I don't get either. Like, like some people like tell, like, will say, Oh, well that's the, that's the harvest season of pumpkin. So it makes sense. I'm like, well, apples are also harvested this time of year yet apple pie is kind of year round. So I don't know why pumpkin pie couldn't be a year round. So I don't know. It was just uh, something that I thought we could kick off with everything uh, today. So 
but uh, but we've got some more deeper questions uh, as we kind of work our way along uh, this night. And so we're going to go ahead into tonight's major point, which, which is brought to you by the people. Yes, cigar people, uh, people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in, in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol, cigars. All right. So, um, first of all, I, I could not, I've done this every, I've done this every year, and, and Tim, uh, Tim's probably really dreading it, and I know that Loomis is as well, but this is uh, going to be a little bit of a long read. Uh, because I want to thank everyone that's made this show possible over the years. This is our five, uh, our fifth anniversary. So I've had a number of guests, no, not 230 of them, uh, but a number of them as well. And I promised, I, I promised Loomis top billing. So Aaron, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, you have, uh, you've been a profound influence uh, on, on me and uh, this journey. And I could, it's, it's very fitting. This was a last minute for you to, to join us tonight. So uh, I'm honored that you could join us and, and I appreciate everything that you have. And thank you for being a guest as uh, the uh, couple of times that you have. So thank you very much. No, thank you, Baron. This is a, this is a great achievement by you and uh, well-deserved. And it's, uh, you know, um, I would say that uh, you bring uh, what this industry on the media side sorely needs. And that is someone that has, I'm not going to use the P word. Um, oh, I thought I had you. Nope. Uh, <laughs> someone that has the enthusiasm uh, <laughs> for the current state, uh, the past state, the future state. Um, all of those things are important. And you, uh, I think, encompass them all. Um, and uh, I, it's a breath of fresh air. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. So that's all I'll say. Thank you, sir. You were going to say pumpkin spice, weren't you, Aaron? Yeah. I almost I, said it, but I can't let Ben get the satisfaction. So. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, thank asshole. you. Tim, thank you as well. Uh, you were the you were the very and the, for the people who don't know the backstory about this, uh, Tim has been on every anniversary show because Tim was the very first take. He was on take number one at Lazona Palooza all those years ago. And uh, uh, Tim, it's an honor to always have you back every year. And I'm so glad that you're you're back this year in particular. It's just uh, it's great to see you, my friend. And thank you so much for joining us. Well, and I'll give you a P word that uh, I think will be very great for you. I think you've become much more polished in five years. And I think that's just a testament to, uh, you know, your ability to kind of grow in this role. And, you know, it, it's good to see that, uh, you know, five years later that you're still doing uh, what you're doing. And uh, it's, it's, it's become a big show. Thank you very much. Now everyone is going to get the, the nice lovey-dovey feeling. So, but we do want to thank every guest that is uh, that has made an appearance and been part of this uh 230 takes so uh start from the top uh fernando zacharias hector alfonso eric Espinosa jr boston jimmy chris nopum bill ives brandon luna melanie and anthony cantelmo erica Tormson, nick uh Jimenez, Phil Schmitz, Terrence Riley, Trey Andrews, Miguel Shodell, Eric Gustafson, Enrique Seja, Skip Martin, Rob Rasmussen, uh, Patrick Vivalo, Nate McIntyre, Jim Stanko, Juan Cancel, Kim Jackson, John Carney, Kate, Casey Hogan, Spencer Drake, Grace, and the late Gabe Alvarez. Veterans show was uh, Paul Costo, Brian McGee. Uh, we also had Dr. Gabby Caffey, Klaus Kellner, Chris Topper, John McTavish, the cigar surgeon himself, Mo Molly. Rainier Lorenzo, uh, Richie Otero, Jared Trudeau, Mike Bellady, Barry McDonald, Tom Lazuka, 
Juan Martinez, Eric Espinosa Jr. Again, once Trip Waldrip and Dennis Fang, Jeff Borsowitz, Luis Cuevas, Andrew Brennan, Jake uh, Jack Hire, Robert Holt, Seth Geis, Mike Rosales, Antonio Gomez, Stephen Bailey. There's a blast from the past. Omar DeFrias, Jose Blanco, Robert Caldwell, Matt Ty, Casey Johnson, Fabian Ziegler, Carson Serino. Scott Colasere. That's just the first 75 guys. So we've, we're going to do this. We're going to space this out a little bit and not bore everybody today, but those are some fantastic individuals. Coop's jukebox where you like span like 500 songs over <laughs> 18 months. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get to all 230, man. It's, it's crazy. But I mean, just looking back at some of those early shows, like, I mean, like I said, a blast from the past, like Stephen Bailey, like that. I mean, that was a great interview and that was a great show. And that was like someone I really wanted to interview and stuff. And, you know, it, it is, we kind of focus on these, these questions, you guys that we kind of, that I kind of sent your way and everything uh, here in just a couple of minutes, it kind of, it kind of goes to show like how much, the industry has changed in five years. I wouldn't trade that interview for anything. If someone I really wanted to talk to, he's his family was very important to the history of tobacco. And, you know, at the time he had a very up and coming brand. And, and it's it just goes to show you that this this industry can change in, in the blink of an eye. As much as this is an industry about legacy and time and everything, uh, a lot of things can change in, in the time that you're in. So um, so my first question to the panel and, 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 and Loomis, I'll start with you here. The 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 what's the most surprising cigar? that you've smoked in the last five years? Uh, I want to pull, I, I look back on this because I have to do it technically sound. So I have to pick the highest scored cigar I've given a rating to in the last five years so that nobody oh, can come back to me and says not correct. <laughs> and this is going to be something that none of you guys probably is even in your consciousness at the moment. But it is the Villager La Florida, the Yin Clan. And I, was gonna say that. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. I knew you were that. That is the best cigar of the last five years. And I, um, it's great that it was a, such a good cigar, but I also feel like uh, it'll lead into some of your other questions that you come with, uh, that you discuss later. What was the score That's on that? The widest. Uh, 7.32. 7.32. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. My highest score in the last five years. It's kind of sad, but it is what it is. Could have been worse. It could have been a 6.32. Yep. Yep. I I uh, I honestly thought you were gonna go with the El Talo, the one that was all uh, uh, the United yeah, cigar no. that was all. I think I got like a low six. So. But yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like the worst score you've ever scored though, and no, I mean that, and that was, yeah, all, all a cigar of all stems. I thought that was gonna be uh, you're to be your pick, but um, yeah. we'll go we'll go over to the next Aaron Aaron Nielsen, uh, the most surprising cigar for you in the last five years. Okay, so I have to put the, the the caveat when I looked at some of this stuff. So for people that I've not met um, or know a little bit of my backstory, I've not been smoking nearly as long as the other folks on this panel in terms of what I would call um, diligently or having the P word of, of what we'll say geeking out over the cigars. So my, my history only goes back about six years. So Prior to that, it was golf course, this, that. Didn't really know. I mean, I knew I enjoyed cigars, but really didn't get geeked out by it. So mine's a little, um, I'm using that as a caveat. So the, the the cigar that was the most surprising to me when I remember smoking it was the Le Bijou 1922 in Torpedo. And the reason it was that surprising to me and the reason that I had the story is because I didn't know what I was doing, but I did have a 
um, a subscription to Cigar Aficionado. And it was, I looked back at some of the, the top rated cigars back in the day and kind of that recent history. And that was post Le Bijou 1922 getting that. And, and a lot of the other stuff I couldn't find in the lounges or the B&Ms that I was going to, but they did have the Le Bijou 22 in Torpedo. And when I had that, I was like, this is on another level to me. This was like nothing I had smoked at the time, quality, flavor, burn, just everything that went into a true premium cigar. So the, that was my um, most surprising, I guess, if you will, because of, of the history that I had from my smoking experience. Awesome. Yeah, I, that cigar, I think, was, I mean, it, it appeared in the top, uh, the top 10 of Cigar Fishnado twice in like, like, you know, span of like three or four years. So, I mean, it was very popular, still is. Um, I love it still. And then the the hundred años this year that uh, that they came out with was uh, I've smoked it. I've smoked it. I thought it was phenomenal. The limited it edition is. they did. So, um, Tim, what about you? Um, I think uh, as, as 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 humble as Nielsen was being there, uh, he's doing his best to catch up to the rest of us as far as smoking. <laughs> and I know I know you and I know you you have you have a great affinity for smoking a lot of cigars. So, uh, what yeah. uh, what was the most surprising I'll, cigar that got you the last five well, years? I'll go with a couple of biased choices, all right? Uh, I think that, uh, you know, number one, I think that uh, kind of uh, changed the course of uh, one of the companies was the um, was uh, La Ranja, um, the original blend by Espinosa. I think that uh, it was a definite change in direction for, for that company. And it's always just been a fantastic cigar, you know, for medium-bodied, full-flavored. I love the complexity of that particular cigar. That Brazilian wrapper, uh, you know, really... Um, just highlights uh, all that blend really, really well. Um, for me, that's, you know, kind of the perfect everyday cigar. And then, you know, the other one that, you know, continues to kind of surprise me and just considering how well, you know, and what a fan I am of, of uh, Dion from Illusion is uh, the Singulare Seven Horns that came out a couple of years ago, the one that shaped as a, as a Perfecto. Um, it took, uh, you know, his, his stuff is fantastic, but I thought that was another level. Uh, particularly, um, and especially since in a Salomon shape, which is, you know, not the easiest cigar to smoke, um, but, you know, it's a commitment because, you know, it's an hour, 15, hour and a half, but it's worth every minute. Um, so those two cigars, I think, uh, for me, actually kind of look, I looked upon at least in, you know, for those companies and for what I smoke, uh, a real change in direction in terms of, uh, you know, um, the cigar blending and, and, and uh, you know, what they're putting out as uh, doesn't have to be, you know, a, a, a palate burner to, to be a fantastic cigar. Just kind of diving in there a little bit for Tim. Like again, you've been you've been in the industry for for going almost two decades now, and working in the industry. And I don't know how long much you were smoking before that, but I mean, when you know Eric and Hector put this this you know Brazilian Habano cigar in mm -hmm. front of you, I mean, I mean, what what were you thinking when they first presented this to you? I mean, I mean, I know you trust those guys and everything, but I mean, you yeah. you had to have some inklings of of what it could possibly well, be like. Sure. And, you know, there were, there were a handful of cigars that actually used that Brazilian uh, Habano previously. I remember um, the uh, origin from, uh, from uh, um, uh, Fuego, Jesus Fuego. And that was one of the first times I experienced that wrapper. And I remember it just being different in terms of flavor, in terms of, you know, how it balanced out a lot of stuff. And so, you know, when, when the, the orange came out with it, it's like, yeah, I mean, this has got all the elements. It's got enough Nicaraguan 
to to you know keep you interested um but that that wrapper just kind of ties it all together so it was nice to see you know flavor and complexity kind of be emphasized and i think that's uh, and that's always been you know dion style as well that you know flavor is most important sweetness um so those are the two things that caught me is just you know how flavorful those things were how balanced how complex and the touch of sweetness is just on top so nice the uh, uh, and then of course you used a couple of years after that you uh, with your uh, pure, uh, pure twenty Oscar yeah yeah you used same it as wrapper well. this is the it's a darker version of it um, they call it the reason why it's called the Oscuro is this particular wrapper is created uh, Oscuro you know they, they they judge it based on color and so the lightest uh, Brazilian Habano went on orange and then when they were doing you know test blends with with the darker wrapper I was like let me go see what the, what we've gotten you know it it does it you know the same kind of justice it's a little harder but it's it's a fantastic wrapper to uh, to um, to blend with and it just it's it's unique to me and there's not there's not a lot of it out there there's more of it now than it used to be but mm -hmm. i think that that was really just sort of you know because that's what at least uh, i'm sure the panel's the same way you're looking for things that are different um we smoke enough cigars where you know everything sometimes starts to taste the same a little bit and so when you taste something that's a little more different a little more unique it's what you kind of gravitate towards um, and that's why, you know, I, I, I highlighted those two particular blends. Yeah. I, I mean, I, as you're, as you're well aware of, I'm a fan of both those cigars and it's interesting. Cause like, even though it, like, I feel like they both have that Lazona signature that we mm -hmm. kind of talk a lot about, uh, I still find them to be different from each other yeah. in a, in a, in a, in, in, yeah. a, in a very good way. And, and they're both, yeah. they're both great cigars. I really enjoy them. Ben, what about you? Which what is why I picked that 10th for you, uh, because uh, I think that that is again, something that's uh, a little different from us and, it, it highlights the evolution of the company and our blending philosophy and, and what Hector and Eric and all those guys are doing. And I think that that's a good thing because we're always, we like the fact that we're always evolving. Oh, I'm, I'm enjoying this immensely. I mean, the burn cone isn't ideal, but I mean, I'm, I'm sucking it up and I'm living through it. That's for you. So is it a 6.5 then or 7.2 or what? what I mean. <clears throat> What oh, no, are you giving uh, it? Uh, no, Loomis with 92, Loomis, 92 at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, Loomis <laughs> won't let me one, on the panel. I'd probably score count. too high. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the, 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 the taste is phenomenal. I'm enjoying it very much already. I can't wait to, I, I can't wait to see what the, the rest of the cigar does. Uh, ben, what about you? Most surprising cigar in the last five years? <clears throat> well, it's honestly, it's um, it's kind of a tie between two. And they're both they both have to do around birthdays. So the first one <laughs> isn't going to sound like a Homer thing, but at the trade show, Pete gave me his 50th birthday cigar. And yeah. I actually had it last year for my, on my birthday, which is only a couple of weeks after the trade show. And that damn cigar was phenomenal. It's clearly the best thing he's ever done in my, in my view. It was so different than than what he's what his normal line is especially so it's like, like a polar opposite of something like this that it's just gonna when people get their hands on this cigar when you smoke it i, I guarantee if you took the bands off they would never recognize it as a tattoo why because it's just so different it, it's it's an amazing smoke the other one actually was sent to me as a birthday present uh from our good friend jose blanco and it was the opus x uh the uae edition that has the the green band on it it's oh, nice it is 
it's it's something that really I thought would be, you know, you know, like pretty much any other opus, but it actually had a, a different flavor profile. To me, it was had a little bit more spice to it and a little bit more nuanced actually. And I was thinking because maybe because it's a size, because it's a really odd size with the rest of the Opus X line. It's like a, I think a six and an eighth by fifty-five was the one that I had, which is the uh, Soldier War. There's three. It comes in three sizes. That one's kind of like the the middle size. They do like a robusto than this one, which is like a I don't know what the hell you call it, like a Super Toro or some shit. I don't know. And then there's one that's like a six by fifty-eight. Luckily, he didn't send that one. I would smoke it, but that's just that size is just insane to me. Uh, the six and an eighth by fifty-five is is pretty over the top too but i don't know just something about that bigger ring gauge with the opus x it just it's just seemed to evolve differently than your regular opus so that those two were just you know i i guess they were surprising in a way where i expected them to go one direction and it went the opposite direction so that's kind of why i say what they were surprising to me they were both fantastic cigars definitely one of the two of the best i've had in the past five years so Ben, on that note, um, I got that 50th from Pete the same year you did. I smoked it. I was blown away by it. So then I call, I call, try to, you know, scrounge dumpster diving to try to find it. Um, Bartan had a box at Ambassador out in Scottsdale. And uh, my dumbass, I'll just say it, didn't even ask what the price was. So then I got the bill and I got the box. Oops. Well, it's really good, but it's really expensive. But I, I echo what you're, I would never know that's a Tatawahe, but it's a damn good cigar. It's, it's a lot different than anything that uh, I feel like he's ever done too, Ben. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, my, my choice is actually going to surprise all, uh, probably everybody here uh, just because everyone knows me pretty well. And it's going to make, it's going to make uh, someone we know incredibly happy. Well, actually probably two people we know incredibly happy. Um, I could not believe how good the cigar was. Uh, I only smoked, I, I smoked three of them because uh, those are the only three I ever, I only got. And I don't think um, I'll ever be able to, unless some of them have Someone has them stashed somewhere and wants to gift me one or something like that. Um, but I could not believe how fucking good the cigar was. And the reason I couldn't believe it was because it's a 70 gauge and it was the Asylum 7. That cigar was absolutely insane. I could not believe how good it was. I could not believe that it was a 70 gauge. It smoked incredibly well. And of course, everyone that makes makes everybody happy is it makes Coop happy. And of course, makes Tom happy. But um that was probably the most surprising cigar that I had in the last five years where it's just, I could not believe how good it was and how much I enjoyed it. It was unbelievable. Crazy. So, uh, but uh, going into, so going back into the past here a little bit about, you know, we're, we're all part of the industry, you know, uh, you know, Tim's got a very different role than the rest of us and everything. And Nielsen, I know you're, you're, you know, you're new to this or I still consider myself new five years in here, but um Ben and Aaron have been around a long time as well, but what's, what's changed most about the cigar industry and, and, and Tim, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of lead off with you here because I mean, you can see it from so many different perspectives. What's changed most about the cigar industry as a whole in the, in the past uh, half decade? Sure. Well, I think the biggest thing that you'll see, I think, I think uh, you'll notice it a lot is uh, the creativity and what's being kind of uh, marketed as, as a premium cigar now, 
uh, versus a few years ago. Like, you know, you see a lot more, you know, barber pole, designer stuff, um, you know, artistic uh, expression on a cigar. And, you know, uh, a few years ago, the people wouldn't consider that because it's a, it's a really difficult thing to do and to do it consistently, um, you know, especially when you're trying to build a brand, you know, it, it's, it gives you a lot of pop initially, but, you know, it, it kind of is almost like, well, are you doing it for aesthetics? Are you doing it for, the, you know, how good that cigar is going to be? And what you're seeing now is that a lot of these cigars are actually, they're, they're really fantastic and they're, they're, you know, beautiful and they're, they're artistic expressions. Um, I think that that wasn't something that we saw a lot of, and now you're seeing more and more of it. Um, and the other thing is sort of the definition of what a, a cigar manufacturer is too. I mean, you're always going to have those classic factories, um, you know, you know who they are, whether it's Fuente, Padron, um, you know, Ernesto Carrillo, uh, my father, all those guys are still doing what they're doing, but you're sort of seeing kind of an evolution of what uh, a cigar manufacturer is. You look at like Pravada or you look at the small batch, these guys are getting, you know, custom stuff um, from the, the guys they're doing business with. And they're sort of becoming, you know, like uh, uh, not necessarily with a factory, but they're producing small batch cigars that are exclusively theirs. And it's not necessarily brand focus as much as it's the umbrella of that company of Pravada stuff, small batch stuff. And you're getting special specialized cigars that are made just for these guys. And, and I think that that's um, another step. And are, are they becoming sort of manufacturers uh, whereas they used to be, you know, kind of a curated five pack guys, uh, gift pack guys. It's the evolution of these guys, and they're 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 starting to, you know, um, Dojo is another example of that. You know, they've been doing that for a long time. It's with their, their small batch releases as well. So uh, you know, it's changing, you know, the definition of that. And you've got you know the new age kind of the the craft guys like Skip and Sock. And again, I mean, that's sort of the evolution of, you know, we, we've always said boutiques are sort of coming of age the last few years. I think that you know now they've arrived and they're getting bigger and bigger, and it's just sort of changing that definition of what a manufacturer um can be um, you know so we'll always have the classic uh, manufacturers but we have sort of new age manufacturers as well so i mean i don't want to get you into hot water here tim but i mean it, you, you do bring up a hot button issue though that uh, that has been discussed yeah. on many of our our shows and and on social media like and everything and you were you're talking about companies like pravada and stuff that are in the small batch yeah. stuff that they're doing i mean i, I mean for a person who's been doing this for a long time, I mean, do you, I mean, do you think this is, do you think it's good for the industry? Do you think it's bad for the industry? Do you think it's indifferent? Like, where do you think it lands? So I think that the, the obviously like everything else, it's positive and it's negative, right? On the positive side, you know, it's bringing anything that brings uh, interest to the cigar business and brings in new smokers or gets people, you know, more interested in, in what we do as an industry is good for us. Um, and there's plenty of, of, smokers and there's plenty of business for everybody and it helps people uh companies uh evolve as well um you look at what uh, general cigar is doing right i worked for general for many years well now they're doing you know the whole forge side which is sort of the boutique within the larger company they're doing collaborations they you know they've they've acquired matt booth's brands you know dion did a, 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 a rebrand of excalibur number one so they're doing this sort of these uh things that they wouldn't do as a company and again it, it those are new ideas and new concepts that are that I think are good for the industry. Now, you know, you can we can argue back and forth about the other side about what is a manufacturer? What does that mean? You know, they have um, uh, uh, um, experience with blending. They're getting their hands dirty. Um, and th those are, are valid things too. You know, it's, 
you know, you're just, you're just getting a different way. I don't, I don't necessarily think one is better uh, from a business standpoint. I think they're both good for the business, but you know, like that's up to the consumer, whether they prefer somebody who's actually kind of getting their hands involved in dirt and, you know, buying tobacco, growing it, blending themselves. There's a place for that. And there are guys who are, are marketing guys who are getting good cigars. The question is, are they providing us with good cigars? And if they're using factories and they're getting what they want out of uh, these factories, um, you know, it's still a new take on a cigar too. So maybe not the, the sense that they're a traditional manufacturer building it from the ground up, but um, you know, anything that gives us more choice is always going to be good for us, I think. Interesting. Loomis, I know you've been a part of this discussion before too. Um, I mean, do you do you agree that it's it's probably the thing that's changed the most in the industry in the last five years? Do you have you seen something different? What what do you think? I think somewhat Tim is talking about is what I would agree with in regards to the, you know, kind of that change in regards to, um, you know, the, who was involved and who the kind of has taken the torch now, but um, you know, there's been some other shifts that I've kind of seen and um, you know, you have a lot of a kind of a social media driven kind of smoker clientele, but um, that's kind of what gets to in everybody's face um, that kind of looks at social media, but there's, there's different kinds of smokers you have those social media smokers that you know want everything that's new and then you have those like kind of those old school guys that are still you know buying by the boxes their one brand that they just only smoke that and that's what they smoke and those are the guys that uh spend the money um and you know drive some of these you know companies to what their number one seller is so uh you know tim's talking about general and you know, mac and sells a ton of cigars but when was the last time you saw somebody post mac and on social media you, you haven't um so uh it's you know it's kind of it's it's an odd you know dichotomy of how the industry works and you know what people see and what they think is popular or what they think you know drives companies to be able to produce products but um uh, you know I, I have to live up to the the title you gave me on the show tonight i didn't put i didn't put this down in here uh you know bear kind of gave gave me this moniker tonight but um <laughs> You know, I've been harping on the, I think the quality of the cigars have been going downhill um, over the years. And I think that's been a consistent thread. And um, I don't know what, I don't know hundred percent what to attribute that to. Uh, but I do think that you have people that um, have been, uh, you know, and still are legends of this industry that, um, you know, they're getting older or they're, you know, they're retiring, they're passing away, you know, things, people that have a ton of knowledge and can do amazing things with tobacco that are kind of not able to do that for us anymore and then you have people that are kind of taking that on and you know maybe they there are still some great ones out there but maybe there are you know people have lost some of that kind of uh knowledge and aren't able to produce that or maybe we, should, we just have different uh you know farming techniques or global warming is taking its toll on tobacco whatever it is or people just aren't spending the time to create these fantastic blends anymore but um it seems like with all the new releases and things like that there's less time being focused on you know, launching a new core brand that's going to really like pop up and stand the test of time, like a lot of the brands that we know and have stood the test of time. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't, I you know, I don't I hate to be kind of a Debbie Downer, but, um, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is. Like, you know, if, if you're constantly cranking out new stuff, they can't all, they can't all be winners and not a lot of them are winners. I mean, if they were all winners, like you would be able to just sell those and not have to worry about you know, coming out with something every 12 weeks or whatever it is, you know, some of these companies are doing. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess that, that'd be my end. 
I stand what I what I would kind of counter with is uh, it's the evolution of the cigar business too. Is uh, no, I understand you know, that. As somebody who's you know seen it, when's the last time somebody's actually created a core brand that's lasted the test of time? The shelf life yeah. of a brand is twelve months. 14 months. Maybe. Yeah. And that, that so, could be kind of along the lines of those smokers that buy that one brand, that one box all the yeah, time. They're, yeah, you know, their yeah, time yeah. is kind of getting sure. to the end. So and now I would it's also, be that new, that new smoker that wants to try everything. Sure. And I'll also argue with you too, that the quality of the cigars, you know, our palates may evolve and what we, because we smoke so much, you have a, a different base, but yeah. I don't think the quality of tobacco is, has, you know, it, it may be different now, but I don't think there's that, uh, you know, this is still the golden age. You walk into a humidor with 10 bucks and you can pick out, you know, you may not like the flavor, but the quality I think has never been higher in terms of, you know, uh, consistency, uh, um, burn, um, whether again, you like the draw, or you like the, those things, it, it's a matter of choice. But I mean, I don't think you can go wrong right now. If you walk into a humidor and pick any cigar at 10 or 15 bucks and, and you're going to get a quality product. It's just a matter of not whether or not your, your palate takes to it. But I think, I, I mean, I, I, I have a tough time, you know, believing that because I, I've worked for a myriad of companies and I, I, I know for a fact that quality hasn't been higher. You know, this question is whether or not we like those cigars. Uh, and at least that's my take on it. So, sure. you know, one of the things, Aaron, that you've, you say all the time that I've, I hear in your reviews and I'll, I'll always give credit where credit's due on this is that like, when you say that you don't, you probably won't return back to a cigar. Um, it, and then, but there's always kind of a caveat to it. You know, sometimes if like you're like in the instance of like when you're doing a round table with your guys and all the, uh, like the other three have a favorable score and you're, you're the, you're the low man on the totem pole. You, you always advise people to give it a try because you're, you're willing to, you're willing to admit that, Hey, maybe you got a dud, you know, maybe you just, you know, maybe, you know, people's palate would probably lend to the other three guys and everything too. So, um, you know, as much as, you know, as much as we bust your balls about your, your pickiness and everything like that, I mean, there, to, to Tim's point, you could probably, you could take 10 or $15 and walk into any humidor uh, in your, uh, in your area and find your number of cigars that you would enjoy. Am I, am I wrong in that? No, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things we struggle with on our site in regards to the scoring system is like, you know, people understanding that, uh, the majority of where we score cigars is just the majority of where cigars are like, it, you know, that's the way that math works is uh, that's the average score because that's where most things fall. Right. That doesn't mean it's good or bad in regards to if you are just kind of getting into cigars, you know, you're smoking things you're like this is a good cigar. I, you know, I like it, but we're at the level where we're, we're saying like, we are looking for those ones that are above all others. Sure. Right. So you're, yeah. it's a, it's a, you know, it, you're, trying everything out yes you can go in and there's so many choices now so you're gonna you know you can there's i'm sure there's tons of scars you can go in there and you can smoke and you can enjoy it um i want to find the five in that human or that are above the rest of them kind of a thing so that's where that's where we're looking at so you know i you know until like i talked about the villager earlier like there might be one or two cigars a year where i'd say like those are ones i would go back and smoke and then over a span of 10 years you have 20 cigars you're saying like these are 20 great cigars that I would go back and smoke, but I to get to these 20, I've smoked 2,000, right? And it's okay to just say these are the ones that are really good. These are the ones I'll go back to, and the other ones they're, they're fine, but I want to go to the ones where I can say this is fantastic and and just kind of be happy in that kind of space. Go. Um. 
Nielsen, you, I mean, like you said before, you're, you're, you've kind of dove in, you know, in the last few years and everything. Uh, but what is the, what is the biggest change that you've seen in the industry? Uh, and then, well, I think, time- yeah, I think, um, I think I, I'll piggyback a little bit on both what Tim and Aaron talked about in, in the period of time that I smoked, we obviously have had the continued, um, knowledge at our, our disposal, meaning whether it's review, a lot more people reviewing a lot more, you know, whether it's social media, I'm not really paying attention to that, but I think the ability to increase your knowledge as a smoker continues to go up if you want it. Right. So some people don't care. Some people are going to just going to go in. They think, Hey, the cigar looks good. I'll go pick that. But if, if you want to learn about cigars or you want to learn what's the flavor profile, what is this, you know, a couple people think about this that I've read their stuff before. And I kind of agree with what they, what they think about the cigar. What can I expect from it? The knowledge at your disposal continues to increase. So I think that um, as a smoker, um, not only can I become more educated because I've got the tools at my disposal, I also think that it benefits um, the industry, like Tim said, that um, we know that there's a lot of manufacturers and and blenders that have very um, thin skin. Right. So they don't want to, you know, call them their baby ugly, but at the same time, you're kind of holding them accountable, right? You can't go back to the days of just where we had the, the, the boom of before where you could just basically roll up shit and put out a cigar and people would buy it because that's what was going on. Now you have to, you're, you're held more accountable and people are um, commenting on your cigars far more than probably was five years ago, seven years ago, whatever the case may be. So, what that allows for is, um, in theory, um, you have to be you're, you have to step up your game, right? So each and every time that you put on a new cigar, in theory, you should be looking to put out the very best and and, and kind of grow as an or, as a company, grow as a blender, grow as a manufacturer each and every year. Now some some do and and some don't. Some continue to just put out average or below average cigars but what it has done though to tim's point i do think now we i, I get the occasional plug for cigar we we've all have bad burns i get that you know part of it could be user error i have seen whether it's something as simple as like five years ago i would get a, a lot of cigars not a lot but i would get cigars that had gobs of glue that would rip off my wrapper i mean it just was a pain in the ass to get off the, the quality of like the bands in terms of just being able to get it off and not being able to just throw your cigar. That's, that's improved. Like the, 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 the burn, the draw, the, the, just the, the quality of a cigar, even at that five and $7 price point, in my opinion, has gone up. Now, what I think has been a detriment is because everybody wants to be, it's kind of like the, we're in the, the age of the instant gratification Right? It's our phone. We want everything now. We want it fast. That goes to where the cigar industry has become, like Aaron said, like you got to put a cigar out every 12 weeks. Like, look, you can't, I'm sorry, you can't put out hit after hit. If you're doing that many cigars that frequently, let's be honest, they're not all going to be hits and you'll be lucky to even get one hit out of that. So it, it's kind of keeping up with the Joneses. It was the, was it 
was it Rocky? Maybe I know bear. We've had this conversation. Did Rocky kind of start that, you know, new release every, like, however often all the time, maybe, but um, I think as a cigar smoker, I have got so many choices now. It almost becomes overwhelming because I continue to chase. <laughs> I continue to chase that like holy grail of I'm going to find the cigar that's like, oh my gosh, this is like my go-to. I'm never going to smoke anything again. It's like trying to find the, the hundred cigar, right? Um, never going to get it. I know, but that's why I just try everything because you never know what you're going to get. And sometimes you get good stuff, you get bad, but at least I know going into it um prior like i mentioned before where i would pick up an aficionado and depending on what the rating was that was kind of what my barometer was now i can go to six seven different places if i want and figure out what did aaron rate what did what did ben rate what did bear think about it what did coop think about it what half wheel what did you know so on and so forth what did they think about this cigar what did the profile how heavy was it i can then make a determination if that sounds like something i want to smoke or if it sounds interesting to me i can go get it where i don't know if that was the case at least for me being where I came from in the industry, if that was the case six, seven years ago. So that would be my answer. You know, I think you make some really good points there. And, and, you know, for, for, for whatever it's worth. And, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of us kind of view our cigar journey a lot like Loomis does, which is we're trying to find the perfect cigar. I know I've made that comment before. I'm trying to find the perfect cigar and it's at, I, I mean, I haven't found it, you know, and that's part of the fun for me. Um, I mean, you should I'm, never find it because if you do, then you're, you're done. Yeah. Right. That's the journey. It. The journey is the, the journey is the over. Magic. Yes. The chase. It's the yeah. chase. And I'll tell you as a guy who sold for both general and Rocky, the point wasn't to create more and more cigars. If the point is to give more choices, because, you know, I, I had a 15 page price sheet at general. And I know that no, you can't carry every single cigar. However, I got to believe there's something in this portfolio you're going to like. And it may be uh, Hoy de Monterey. It might be Macanudo. It might be Cohiba. It might be CAO. You can't carry it all as a retailer or as a consumer try it all. But there's got to be something. And that is part of the fun is to find out, okay, what is in this catalog that I do like? And, uh, you know, I, I mean, you, like I'd walk in and Rocky, I know that, there'd be four things that they'd buy, right? It'd be, you know, it'd be vintage, it'd be Java, it'd be decade, it'd be edge. However, you know, those things sell, well, I'm gonna, as a retailer, let me see what else Rocky's got. Let me try a few things. And it'd be surprising what sells and what doesn't because everybody's palate's different. And I think, again, goes back to our point as, as, as a panel, you know, we smoke so much and that's what I, I mean, I, I won't lie either. I'm always looking for that next great cigar experience, but, you know, Barry, you've heard me say this, you know, we know guys have a rotation. It could be six cigars, could be 10. I don't want to dominate at all because I know I can't. However, I should be able to get one or two of the cigars that I'm selling into that rotation. And then, you know, you've accomplished something because, okay, this guy's only smoking six cigars regularly and you've got one or you've got two in that, in that, in that selection, then that means your company's doing a fantastic job and that something's hitting the right notes uh, for the consumer. And you can't do it for every consumer because everybody's different, but you can try and get something to that rotation. And that's why you have more choices. Yeah, it's a little bit harder for the consumer, but again, like you're saying, it's fun to go try stuff. And all right, I've discovered I have this hankering for Broadleaf. Well, okay, let me go out there and see what out there is Broadleaf for every company. And if I find two or three that I like, then fantastic, we've done a great job. And then if not, we'll move on to something else. You know, I think those are all 
it, it gives you, you know, more selection is always better than less. And yeah, some companies will succeed and some companies won't. But again, it just, it brings more, more people and you get, uh, you know, you get the more educated smoker, you get the regular smoker. There's something for everybody. You know, and that's what's great about this business. Absolutely. And if you ever have a hankering for Broadleaf, uh, Tim, there's a lot of choices. Just don't smoke the CAO session and you'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, 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 I sold that cigar. Stop it. Uh, But Ben, I kind of want to get you to weigh in here. So Aaron was, uh, Nielsen was mentioning how like, you know, there's a lot more opinions out there. And you've, you've been an opinion maker um, in this industry for a long time. You've been a member of the media for um, over a decade now. And, you know, I think, you know, in the last five years, what, what did we have? We had a pandemic that kind of launched a lot of new media channels, a lot of different, you know, review sites. And, you know, the blog has kind of died off, but a lot of video casting, but the influencer concept has really taken off. You know, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, what, what have you seen that's changed the most in the last five years, um, you know, from your, from your learned experience as well? In, in our realm? Or just in general, the whole in general, industry. The, in, the industry. Well, I, some of the points that I was going to bring up, all of y'all pretty much have talked about. Um, and it's really cool that, that have that we have such very guests on tonight that we get we're getting so many different perspectives. It's really cool, especially with Tim's sales perspective because he's looking at it totally different than we do as kind of a, a consumer viewpoint, right? Mm-hmm. So like and one of the biggest things is what Aaron had talked about earlier our Aaron was about the consumer right the Thanks, the, the consumer <laughs> well yeah you're Aaron too <laughs> um, no but seriously it's 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 the consumer to me has a thirst for knowledge now that every year seems to grow and grow and grow right they like they they want to know more and more about what's in the cigar where did it come from what's the story about it who blended it i mean before people just kind of didn't care this like oh this is a cool looking band i'm gonna try this or the sales rep is here we're having an event we're gonna well i'm gonna try that cigar or whatever you know now they say oh well it's you know habana rapper nicaraguan binder filler okay nicaraguan what what do you nicaraguan what 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 kind of nicaraguan tobacco what part of the planet it come from you know what region they want to know more and more about that people are also offended when you when you say undisclosed people are most offended now yeah kind of yeah i mean i have seen that it's like what are they hiding you know kind of a thing but you know and before i used to think oh you know people are trying to keep their you know their recipes or whatever you know you try to keep you know hold on to their trade secrets or whatever you know, but <clears throat> when I was at Davidoff, the Dominican Republic, and Hickey Kellner gave us this sheet, and we're doing a tasting, and literally on the damn sheet was the exact blend percentage-wise of every tobacco in every Davidoff cigar. And I was like, like, look at him. He's like, I know what you're thinking. He's like, yeah, that's that's a recipe. You know, like any chef has their own recipe. The difference is you don't have to buy ingredients. And I was like, ah, that's why you where you're at. You know, it's it's you can't re- you can have the recipe, but you're not gonna be able to replicate it because you don't have the same type of tobaccos or whatever. So I've kind of never understood the undisclosed part. That's kind of annoying yeah. to me too. 
Uh, and I'll, I'll jump in here and tell you that there's a, there's a marketing reason for that. Number one is because now as an industry, we want to give less information and not because it's, does, it hurts us uh, you know, for the, with the consumer. It's because the less information you disclose specifically with, with the FDA, if you just say Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler, Nicaraguan wrapper, they, it's harder for them to test for something specific if, if they were to ever be able to do that. Because if you go, I'm, I'm using a Viso Jalapa from a, 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 you know, a, a Criollo plant from a 96 seed, now you've given them information to go digging for that if they want to test for cigars, uh, test for that kind of stuff. And eventually they may, you know, we, we kind of have our doubts that they can, but if you just go Nicaragua, Nicaragua or undisclosed, it's kind of harder for them to kind of go, okay, well prove it to me that you, this tobacco is in there and you didn't make a change uh, according to what you've reported to us. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that gives right. us some flexibility for that. And uh, number two, I can tell you from my experience, there's only three questions that count for 90% of the consumers. And that is how much, how strong, and how long they can smoke it for. That's all they really want to know. Uh, the average cigar smoker does. I mean, again, we have a different view on that because, you know, we've smoked so much and, and you know, we are the educated smoker. And that's why your opinions matter so much because you take those things, you know, to heart and that, that they matter for you. But the most, the average smoker, it's a $10 cigar. I'm going to smoke it for 45 minutes. It's medium body. Great give it to me that then that's you know you move on and that for the guys who come to that uh to events with me or they want to know that detail yeah come over here i'll talk to you about it. i'll tell you everything you want to know but if you just want to know those three questions i'll give you that information and we'll carry on to the next guy that that's part of it too you know because again at the end of the day people forget that we're here to sell cigars and uh that's uh you know um and, and if that's what it takes for some people great more information and some people less you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Granted, I buy, I buy that. But you don't think that there's more of the consumers now than before saying, "What's in this? What tobacco's in this? You know, what's the story behind it?" Not as much as you, not as much as you would think. I, and yeah. even even with that information, Ben, do you think it really really could decipher any of that stuff? Correct. No. I, I think they um, want. I think there's more people that want to know. They want to learn about it. Yeah, but they're. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna. I'll be the bad guy. <laughs> Everybody, I think they are called posers back in the day. Like they, they want, they want to sure. feel like they know what's going on, but they yeah. couldn't tell you. Like you could, they could taste it, and yeah. they couldn't describe any of the flavors from it or anything like that. Sure. And they couldn't come back to it again and say, "Oh yeah, you know, I know what's going and, on here." Like you know, it, it, you and, you find those guys. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Then. I was going to say, you, you get those guys occasionally and they want to, they, they want to talk the talk. And so again, at some point you kind of go, okay, this guy's just, now he's just messing with me a little bit. And you kind of go back and okay, well, you know, if you really try hard, you can taste the marzipan and the blood orange in the cigar. And nine times out of 10, they'll come back half. I can really taste the marzipan. Great. You got great palate. Yeah. And sometimes yeah, you just, exactly. you know, uh, I mean, you, you can tell who the, the, the guys who are really interested to the guys who just want to talk the talk. And sometimes, you know, you, you deal with both and you just, you know, you put a cigar in their hands and you hope they enjoy it. That's kind of, you give them what the information uh, they, they, they want, you know, and you're, uh, you know, Ben's correct. There are guys who want the top shelf on every little detail. And there are guys that's like, yeah, I don't care. Just give me the cigar. Great. You know, you, you got, you got, you got information for all those guys. They're still called posers, Aaron, by the way. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, to one, to, to, to the, to one of your points though, Tim, like, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of, 
you know, even though we've we've had some great victories in the industry, and that does kind of that does kind of uh, put some fear into it, especially if they ever go into testing, because you know, if they're using a ninety-eight Criollo seed, like what happens if that seed goes extinct for whatever reason? Sure. You know, and you have to use an, a, a two thousand or something like that, then the FDA can say no, it's not the same thing, and then you're you're SOL. You know, it's 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 a it's a yeah, I could see where that puts some put some put some fear into uh, to the on the manufacturing side quite a bit because I mean things are quite they're they're constantly tweaking to to retain that consistency. A lot of people don't the the poser the posers and the layman don't understand that is that yeah. you know that these cigars have had to change over time and everything. Uh, these are also the same people too that. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you to a certain extent too, Ben. Um, but at the same time, like these are, there's also these, the same consumers that walked into my humidor that the day that Drew Estate was sold and said, oh, Liga doesn't taste the same anymore. You know, and it's the same cigar that was two days ago. But, you know, they, they, they say they taste the difference because, you know, Drew Estate's owned by yeah. Swisher now. And it, it's absolutely true. Like, let's say the, the Viso Jalapa you're using for your blend suddenly there's uh, a hurricane that wipes out a crop and you've got to substitute something else. And, you know, you know, we don't always necessarily do this, but, you know, how many consumers can actually taste the difference between a 98 and a 99 Criollo, right? I mean, it, it's very, very similar. And, you know, we're presenting to you, you know, we want the cigar, you can't make the same cigar every time. It's just impossible. However, if it's 95% consistent all across the board every time, you know, that's acceptable, uh, at least to me. Um, tell me if I'm wrong. And again, can can most people, if I gave you every detail of a tobacco and they're happy with the information, does that change their opinion of it? You know, well, I, I would have preferred a, a 97 over 98. How many guys have that level of, of, of taste and of that, you know, be able to, to tell that kind of difference? And I'm not, I'm not trying to bag on anybody. I'm just saying, does that information really make that uh, difference to the average consumer. I'll even take another direction. The only reason you would need to know the component ingredients is if you were going to try to create something on your own. Sure. <laughs> You're, you are paying somebody else to deliver flavor to you. What they use to accomplish that, who cares? Nobody wants to know where the sugar from they get to make their Coca-Cola is from, right? Like that doesn't yeah. matter. They don't need yeah. to know the vintage of the sugar. They don't need right. to know any of that information, yeah. right? right? They're paying for the flavor of Coca-Cola. I mean, the, the blend details really mean nothing to anybody except for the people that are ma manufacturing the, the product. And in your guys' case, if you go and you ask Hector what's in it, he'll tell you, you know, but again, yeah. he knows that you want that specific information and it's valuable to you. The, you know, again, the average guy, okay, I'll tell you, but does that make a difference to you? Maybe. I I think to the, to the to kind of the in-betweener, you know, the person who finds it interesting, like when I first started getting really into scars and I started paying attention to more blend components and stuff, I started paying attention to what I liked. And that's, that's where the relationary point kind of came in. Like, oh, I really like this cigar and it's got a Corojo wrapper. So, you know, I'm going to smoke more Corojo and see if it's, if that's the component of it. Or like, you know, you know, as, as we've kind of all, smoked more and more like Jalapa, you know, tends to have, you know, a sweet, a natural sweetness to that tobacco. So it's going to lend sweetness to that blend. And so you can kind of pick apart some things like that and see what you enjoy. But I think those, like, like you said, there's a, there's a, there's a percentage and Tim, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like it's a very small, from your perspective, it's a very small number of individuals 
where Ben, I think you're saying that the number is growing. If yeah. if I'm characterizing, I, I know I it is. I see it. Yeah. I see it in yeah. shops. I yeah. go to a ton of shops, and I'm looking at it from the from the consumer standpoint, not sure. the a sales or marketing guy, right? Sure. So you are taking this way too too granular. I'm not talking about whether somebody can taste a difference between, you know, <clears throat> you know, Visa or Seiko. I'm not talking about that shit. I'm talking about like, like, like what Bear just said. And, and there's three three examples right here on here. Four examples of people that started with the cigar said, hey, this tastes pretty good. And we all went to cigar nerdism. We all went to it. Who, sure. how, how do you know that the person yeah, walking in? Yeah, I understand to, that. To I understand, understand now, ben. Hold on. Coming <laughs> into the shop today is not going to turn out to be just like we are today, right? And they come in and they're like, oh, this cigar is good. Why, why do I like this cigar? Oh, well, it's kind of sweet with a little bit of spice. Well, what's what's giving me that? Like, what is that? Oh, okay, it's it's that leaf or this type of thing. Well, maybe I'll I'll like that one because that I think that has that too. I'll try that out and see what that's like. That's where it and, starts. And sure. I, I, ben, I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, like I said, but I, you know, when I go to a shop, you're going to have those eight or ten guys who sit in the lounge and want that information and want to talk about that great i'll sit there and smoke with them but i'm also interested in those 10 guys who come in buy their two cigars and leave right because that's that's a different uh clientele and, and for us we we cater to everybody we want to we want to make sure that everybody gets the information i'm not discounting you know I, I mean you're absolutely correct i'm a cigar dork you know and by nature myself and i'll talk any to anybody about tobacco um if they want that information but there's also the other guys too and they're they're equally valuable from a sales perspective to, to all, you know, to us and oh, everybody yeah. drives, drives that business, drives us differently. You know? I understand that. I'm not, I'm, that's what I said from the beginning. I'm not coming yeah. from a sales perspective. Yeah. This is pure sure. consumer. Yeah. I understand. I understand the sales part of it too. We're mm -hmm. not, we're not talking. I'm not, that wasn't the point I was trying to make at all. Yeah. I'm not but no, I agree with you. The, the education level has never been higher and more and more people are, are, you know, interested in learning and trying to get that, you know, uh, that level of detail for sure. Yeah, uh, you're you're definitely uh, you're onto something there for sure. The I mean, education level has never been higher. Yeah, that's part part of what we do, right? The, yeah, the, there's absolutely. a reason we have a viewership yeah. and readership yeah. is because these people yeah. want to know. Otherwise, yeah. they don't give a shit. They just go in and keep buying yeah. macanudos or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's those people and, too. Working, and as a guy who spent the first ten years of his career trying to beat beat up macanudo and then having it in my portfolio. I'll never say a bad thing about Macanudo, you know, because it, it, it sells. Yeah, it, it does. And, you know, everybody has that, you know, and that within the first five cigars they've ever smoked, I can guarantee you most people have smoked at least a Macanudo. It gives, yeah. a, 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 you know, a, a springboard to other cigars. It gets people interested. And what you've got to give Macanudo credit for is wherever you buy it from, whether it's the gas station, the cigar store, <laughs> the casino, it's going to be the same. It's like Budweiser you guys probably don't drink it but somebody does and, and uh, you know and and that you know you may say that uh, their palate may be you know different from yours but it, it's a reason there's a reason why romeo sells macanudo monte cristo they, they, they just people recognize that stuff and they like the experience because they know it's going to be the same every time oh mm -hmm. i know understand it listen i still smoke yeah. the same shit i smoked back in 1996 uh -huh. when i had my uh -huh. first cigar uh -huh. hey i still i'm still smoking excalibur number ones mm -hmm. punch, punch. Number ones. 
I'm sorry, the Punch Rothschild uh, Double Maduro, Maduro Maduro, still one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah, Punch Elite sure. Oscuro is one Absolutely. of my one of my favorites. I Absolutely. mean, it's Ashton VSG. I'm still I constantly go mm-hmm. back to those old ones because to me they're a nostalgia good. thing. But but kind of what I was well, I was going with with the Macanudo is you have those people that they'll latch onto that one cigar a long time ago and they never deviate right but that those consumers are getting less and less and less you're getting more consumers are coming in though they're they want to try this 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 those that type of consumer from what i'm seeing is way outstretching the one one this is my stick i'm only going to buy this box every month is this cigar and that's it i'm never trying nothing else and if you can't get it for me i'll go somewhere else to get it there i'm not trying that over there yeah i think the growth the growth of the educated smoker i think that the growth of that that dichotomy of the of, of the consumer membership is growing more than than the 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 og i'll i'll, I'll concede to that point i think that's i think that's fair mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll give you one stat though, all right? And again, this is just a sales stat. But do you know what the number one selling scheme in Macanudo is? The ascots okay. in the tin, in the tin. Oh, I was going to say the pulled, Portofino. But if you okay. pull that one skew out of General's portfolio and you spun it off, and made it its own cigar company, it'd be a top ten cigar company. Just that, just that one skew. Just you that know? ascots. So, uh, just the ascots. Um, and so again, you know, you can tell them what you want about the educated. Yeah, and they may grow into that from that, but. It, it it does still continue to be a leader in the category. So that's which that's is insane. odd because I've literally never seen a single person mm-hmm. ever smoke. <laughs> yeah. No one does. That's what I'm saying, Ben. They go, the people my... who spend the money are not the smokers you know. Yeah. yeah. That's you know the guys that don't spend. I don't money. give a shit about who's spending money. Okay, <laughs> we're going back to sales. I don't give a shit about sales. But look, I'm talking that, about the, the what's this the difference. Education. This is the sales, difference, Ben. Sales, sales, everything else. Look. Okay. General sells a ton of cigars. They and they're the ones coming out with new, you know, three new brands every eight weeks, right? It's not because the t- cigars are good. It's because they they can oh, market them and they can sell them, right? Yeah. And they, they can good. take maybe not they can take you, but shelf good. space from other brands and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not. People aren't making cigars to make you have a great experience. They're selling cigars to make money. And that's how the industry has gone in the last five years. Like that's that's what it is. Like and it's not just cigars, it's a lot of other industries. It's like the the real goal now is just to, to give you just enough so that you continue to spend money. Nothing more than that. And yes, there are some companies that that actually are doing the right stuff and things like that. But the bulk of any industry is not to do that. The bulk of the industry is to give you the bare minimum to get you to keep staying there. And then they'll, they'll right. give you a little crumb here or there to keep you coming back, keep coming back. But it's, it's not to do you a solid and give you this amazing product that, you know, that you don't ever have to like worry about and things like that. Like, that's, not, that's not the way the economy runs anymore. Yes, I don't care. I'm not. It's not what I'm talking about. So I'm bored at this topic. So let's, I'll move on. I'll move on to the second point that I was going to bring up too, and it all kind of ties in together. <clears throat> what is? I don't remember who who said this. I think it was one of the errands, but it was. We're talking about how, like, it's like it's like back in the day, right? When I first started doing all this, you 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 wouldn't. Have, it actually. Coop and I pulled the data for this. 
I, and I don't remember how far back we went, but it was like that RTDA was like a, I think it was like 80 new releases or something like that. And then like last year was like hundreds, several hundreds of new releases. It, it is like, and it wasn't a huge increase in cigar companies, but it was like the companies are coming out with, and it's actually what you just brought up, Aaron, that it was like, those they're coming out with something. It seemed like every freaking other month was a new, oh, here's a, this cigar, then this cigar, this cigar. And they keep killing off so much stuff and bring a new one. I mean, how many times have we talked about, oh, that was such a great cigar, but it's gone now or whatever. So, and I'm sure that, I know there's a lot that goes into that. T tobacco availability, even though it tasted good, it didn't sell, wasn't marketed right. There's a hundred different reasons why that happens. But it, it just, it seems like you could keep up with, you know, a, you know, a person, a normal cigar smoker could keep up with what's new was coming out. But now it's, it's so damn hard. It's hard for us to keep up with all the new stuff coming out. And on top of that, there seems to be so many more limited edition cigars, limited releases versus core lines coming out that it's mm -hmm. just, it's, it's crazy. The difference now it, it, and that's, I don't, I'll just go back five years where you might have the code, the show, and there'd be one, two, maybe three cores released and one limited edition. Now that seems to be like three or four limiteds and maybe not even a core, maybe right. one or none. So that's, Ben, this year, this year, General has come out with 50 new cigars, and that is doesn't count like multiple Vitolas in a line. 50 new brands this year so far. That's crazy. And I was there, and I was there when they eliminated, you know, a hundred brands. It, yeah. it's, it's 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 shelf life. It so is. pretty much well, once every seven days. Well, it, it's even more than that, but once every seven days, basically. Well, that's coming back to Tim's point where he said that like. How many, how many times have we seen a brand, like how many well-established cores have we seen created by comparison in the last five years to like some of the limited editions that you mentioned, Ben? I mean, it, the, the limited editions and the cigars that have kind of gone by the waste are vastly outweigh the ones that have cemented a place in the marketplace. Think about a cigar that was released. I think, I, I think most of us were, were, were pretty high on, I know that I'm Nielsen and I were, crush that they got that drew estate crush that killed it was the underground sun grown you know yeah. that's being discontinued and 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 that was a i mean that's a core line um for a very successful uh brand you know un the underground brand for drew estate and it and you know for whatever you know multitude of reasons or whatever it, it just didn't it didn't cement itself in the marketplace and that's you, you know what you know what's interesting too just to to and we were beating this to death but one of the things that we talk about on the round table every time we review a cigar we talk about are is this going to be something that we talk about in 10 years from now that has established itself as uh, a, a Monte Cristo white or whatever the case may be right are we is this something we're smoking now to we, we can go we're going to look back 10 years and say that is a foundational cigar and by and large the answer is probably no right i mean just the way that the industry is the way that the cigars change the way that brands are come and go or sunsetted whatever 
it'll be interesting to see which ones that we smoked and that we continue to smoke today or in the last two years, three years are foundational in the next 10 years. It, I, I don't know the answer because the, to bring it full circle, it's because the industry has changed by way of people want the newest, right? They don't buy the very few of the OGs of, yeah. I don't know anybody that still buys the, a single cigar and they smoke that cigar and only that cigar. I right. just don't. So I don't know. It, it's just, that's what, it, that's changed a lot. Well, we got, this is what's perfect about having Tim on because he's on the inside with the sales and marketing part of that. So like, is it, so I'm wondering, like, is it just some of these cigar companies aren't giving enough time to some of these cores to establish that? Well, you know, that or do they kill it? They kill all sure. early. So uh, I'll give you an example. You know, when, when, if you're a general or a Rocky or one of those big companies to roll out a new brand, you know, it could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to do that. Cause you got to prep the marketing. You've got to, you know, uh, and to recoup that you've got to, 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 uh, you know, make sure that you've got enough tobacco to make sure that this line, this line could go for three or four years. Um, but bear will tell you what's the first question you get from a consumer most of the time, what's new. What's and new? so you might, if you have a tobacco that you might be able to make 50,000 cigars with, Sometimes you can't make that because 50,000 cigars is a small a quantity for a larger company. So what happens is, well, now you've got smaller nimble companies that can go, okay, you know what? I, I'll sell 50,000 cigars and I'll move on to the next one. Um, and so some, a line that may not have ever gotten the light of day because there's not enough tobacco now gets a, a, at least a, a, a shelf life of a little bit because somebody's willing to take a small batch, a, a, what, you know, a smaller quantity and sell it. Um, you know, Lost and Found was a, a prime example of this. They were taking small, small quantities that stuff that they couldn't sell or they, they couldn't put on the marketplace because it was such a small quantity and it wouldn't, you know, be worth it to launch that because they may not be able to produce it again. Well, you can sell that small quantity and move on to the next one and just continue that more as an overall line and saying, you know, we're going to change this every, whatever we can get and move on to go on to the next one. So it gives, it gives brands uh, an opportunity that may not have ever, or blends that may have ever gotten to the marketplace because, the quantity of tobacco is just too small to, to make it a viable long-term coal line, you know? Yeah, I get that. I get that. But what I'm, what I'm talking about is a, a cigar that's being made. We'll just, we'll keep on the general train, right? Yeah. General has, it seems like infinite amount of tobacco, right? So mm -hmm. they, they make, they'll, they'll make a cigar and it'll be, you know, they have enough tobacco for it to be a core forever. But even True. they, they don't allow, it doesn't seem like they don't allow a core to seem to establish itself like they used to do back in the day, right? It would, yeah. It'll go for a while, then they kill it off. And you sure. know they have plenty of that tobacco, but they don't, yeah. they don't let it establish it to, to become that one of those yeah. status yeah. cigars. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And, and part of that is, is the way that that company is constructed too. So you've got, you know, $150 million worth of tobacco, which is what they probably have, if not more. Um, and what they do is, again, there's that process is, you know, we age at a certain time, we ferment at a certain amount of period. And they're great <clears throat> at making the perfect medium bodied cigar. But the, you know, the industry tastes have changed, the consumer tastes have changed, you know, people smoke stronger, they smoke different. And again, they, they're not as um, nimble to make that kind of, you know, uh, like a full-bodied cigar. And, and 
to do that in quantities because they're not built to make smaller. Like, you know, when I remember when we, we launched Foundry, that was supposed to be the boutique within the, within the, um, the giant company. And the first year was 144,000 cigars, which is a minute amount of cigars for general, but it took off. And so of course, what do they do? Well, if we can sell 144,000, why can't we sell a million of that? And that kind of changes the philosophy and, and, and suddenly the stuff that you like becomes different. And what you like about that cigar is different. And so it's hard because again, you know, you want to, what do you want to build that core line? Now you've got to do it a little differently versus what you started out as. And I get, I don't know if that's answering the question properly, but you know what I'm saying? They just, they want to build those core lines, but the, the uh, attention span to a core line isn't what it used to be, you know? That's yes, true. That's exactly what I was asking. That's what I was, yeah. And that yeah. makes total sense. Cause I mean, you see that, I mean, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like when you talk about with bear, like, Hey, what's new? You hear that all the time. That's right. Know? That's the first question you get, you know? Yeah. And so that's, uh, so that's sort of the, the, the company's philosophies is like, you know, I'll give Rocky as that example. He's basically not necessarily making blends for new consumers. It's for his Rocky fans. And so what's new, those guys will gravitate towards and then stuff falls off the back and if people want it, it comes back. And so basically that the roster of cigar is changing, but that's just to kind of, you know, keep the, the interest in that brand, you know, because you know, he does have four core lines and, if he wants to sell more cigars, then you got to kind of cater to what's new versus like, you know, trying to continue to build those core core lines because you're getting what you're getting. And it may actually kind of cap out if you want to continue to grow the company, the new cigars are going to do that. We're going to come back to this point because I'm going to, I'm going to tease a question here for next segment because we're going to break this up here real quick with a quick sponsored segment. But um, I'll, I'm uh, going to, pose this question because i feel like uh, loomis will probably get closer than anyone uh aaron how many <laughs> the, per, the percentage of cigars from my t- i've done i've done uh i've done five top 10 lists this will be my sixth coming up uh here in a couple of months the percentage of cigars that are no longer on the market um in my top 10 list so we'll, we'll hold that your answer till after we get through done with this next sponsored segment which is our uh, presidential trivia question of the night sponsored by united cigars featuring Lagiana havana distributors of jose dominguez bandolero garofalo and the highly acclaimed atabay and byron lines including the new alfonso from selected tobacco as well smoke one today and start living united the gentlemen tonight the the guests uh tonight these gentlemen aaron nielsen aaron loomis Benley and Tim Wong are all here brought to you by United Cigars as well. So tonight, the presidential trivia question is surrounded around superstition and luck. Uh, Tim, you and I in the past have talked a lot about luck and how that uh, mm-hmm. is a, is a, has been a theme for Pier 28. Um, and uh, and uh, so the presidential trivia question is around this. Which U.S. president used to carry a lucky coin and throw salt over his shoulder even if he didn't spill it? And here are your four choices. Was it Franklin Roosevelt, A, Franklin Roosevelt, B, Ronald Reagan, C, Lyndon Johnson, or D, Woodrow Wilson? Answer now? Yeah, you can you can answer. I think it was FDR, wasn't it? That's, That's what I would have guessed, too. FDR. Yeah, FDR? I would have said FDR, too. Loomis, you got a different answer? Cool, Wilson. Wilson. And Nielsen, do you have a different answer? Um, I'm going to go with, uh, who would I go with? I'll say, um, 
did you guys say FDR? Is that was was that was your couple FDRs? Yeah, you... a couple one one Wilson. Yeah, I'll go FDR. So FDR was a very superstitious man, but this was not him. Ronald Reagan is actually considered the most super superstitious president that we've ever had. Carried a lucky coin in his pocket, would throw salt over his shoulder regardless if he spilled it or not, and actually. Um, actually sought advice uh, from an astrologer on a frequent basis. So I do that pretty, pretty interesting about Ronald Reagan. But so Franklin Roosevelt was uh, held true and fast to the, uh, the aversion to 13. He hated the number 13 because it was unlucky. And uh, he uh, did several things uh, avoiding, avoiding the 13th. In fact, many people suspected that he uh, would, he passed away. He passed away on the 12th. And many suspected that he uh, he gave up on life because there was no way that he was going to die on the 13th. Uh, but Woodrow Wilson was also superstitious, but he embraced 13. He embraced the unlucky 13. Uh, but it didn't work out so well for him. He landed uh, when he was going to sign the Treaty of Versailles. Um, and he was trying to form the League of Nations. He landed in Europe on the 12th. He made that on purpose. Uh, excuse me, on the 13th. He did that on purpose. Um, and uh, unfortunately, as we know, he was not successful getting the U.S. involved in the League of Nations. So uh, maybe he should have been adverse to lucky number 13. I would have thought more people would have picked Johnson because he was just kind of a weirdo in general. I mean, the guy, na- the, the guy named his penis and used to whip it out in public. So, like, you know. Oh, who doesn't? I mean, yeah. who doesn't do that? That's not weird. I mean, look, Aaron's to the rock world. He sees this shit all the time. Yeah, it's good to say. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, knew, I, knew, I knew Nancy Reagan was huge into astrology. She used to have those readings done all the time. That was one of her things. It's crazy. Can you imagine today a U.S. president seeking advice from an astrologer? Just like the, the shitstorm that that would start in today's like 24-hour news cycle. It'd be crazy. It's it's interesting they, these questions and everything they kind of get brought up every week. It's interesting to find out like what you know presidents did or who they were and, and the, their little proclivities and stuff like that. Like just how they would get eaten alive in 2022. It's just nuts. So, um, is anyone else? Uh, is anyone here on the panel like uh, like uh, would you guys consider yourself superstitious at all? Because I am. I mean, I'm a former baseball player, so yeah. Everything is everything is superstitious to me. Well, funny though, I, I played. Go ahead, Eric. No, no, Ben. Go. I was just gonna say I played baseball too, but I I I was never superstitious about anything. Yeah, like I, I, I would step on the lines. Didn't matter. You were, I, I figured you. I knew you would be, Lewis. <laughs> yeah, you're the guy who did that. <laughs> I didn't have to do a little dance over the lines to make sure I didn't mess with the chalk or anything like that. So uh, I played as a professional golf. I always. So I'm not super sick, but like, like I, I, I don't want to like look for a cat, a black cat to walk in front of my path. I don't want to walk on, you know, I'm not looking to break mirrors or walk under a, a ladder, like that kind of stuff. But um, I always carry three, uh, three quarters in my pocket that are all from the 1960s because I want to shoot in the 60s. And I also carry three divot replacers always because I want to make as many threes. So I carry three coins, three different replacers every round I play. Yeah. So I guess that's a little superstitious. superstitious. Yeah, that's pretty a little. 
And you yeah. know, you heard my story. I mean, as a culture, you know, Chinese specifically are very superstitious, and it is more for just you know prosperity and good luck. Um, obviously, we're, we're we believe in numerology a little bit, um, and you know, you don't want to you know you don't want to uh, necessarily take off the evil spirits of some kind. You know, there's so there's a lot of superstitions you do, especially around Chinese New Year. Um, you know, and again, those are all things just kind of to to increase your luck and 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 uh, and now, uh, those are those are things that uh, you know we just kind of do as as not necessarily you know religious things. It just you know, if, if it doesn't hurt to to give yourself a little extra luck, then, then yeah, what 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 there's the harm in doing it? So yeah, I um, I do a lot of. I do a lot of things that are superstitious. I was I was definitely the kid that probably would have cursed Aaron for stepping on the chalk. Um, <laughs> but I uh, but I remember I remember the about this was probably about a year or so ago that I was driving, picked up my son from school and we were driving back to the house and there was literally a black cat just sitting in the middle of the road and I was like nope, and I def <laughs> I, I I popped I popped a U. And my son was really confused and he didn't understand why he's like, what, what, what's going on, dad? Why are we doing this? I was like, there's a black cat in the middle of the road. He's like, so, and I was like, it's bad luck. We're not going, we're going to drive around. And we literally drove around the block so that we wouldn't have to, uh, so I wouldn't have to go past the the path that the, the black cat was on. It was, uh, yeah, it was eerie. I was not. So, doing that. so bear, I'm going to join you on the 10. Nice. Nice. Light up. It's, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm wrapping up my my well, first one here. Like like Tim talked about it being limited. I know Hector was on um, on your guys' show not that long ago, and when I found out that it potentially, you know, is going to well, not potentially is limited. I made sure that I got a couple boxes as my moniker it says there tonight. I bought a box, so I bought a couple of these to make sure that I don't run out anytime soon. Go, of course you did. Yep, absolutely. Yep. When you it's when you buy a five pack that we're scared because we're like, what the hell happened? Right. It's, it's terrible. I didn't even buy. A, I went to the uh, Byron Lounge, my lounge, and uh, the new Byron that came out the eighteen is it thirty five? Eighteen fifty. Fifty. Sorry, eighteen fifty, and uh, ranging in price points from fifty to ninety five dollars per stick. So I did not buy a five pack. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did not. I would like to <laughs> let's, let's see um that cigars that cigar's fantastic did you did you have you smoked it yet not yet there's an abamacy um oliver on saturday he's going to be there's an event for that cigar i'm somebody goes the, the pressure's going to be saturday. on man he's going to expect you to buy a box you know your name oh god <laughs> but, 75 percent off I, i'm all over it <laughs> All right, so that was our uh, presidential trivia uh, segment for the night, uh, brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Gian Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso line from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. So to get back to one of the topics we were talking about, so uh, I'm going to put the, the question back to you. Loomis, this is, uh, this is on you. I want to see if you get this. What's the percentage of cigars uh, from my top 10 lists over the last five years that are no longer in the marketplace? And your list is 10 cigars per year, correct? That's correct. And we're doing five, the last five years? Correct. The number that is no longer on the market, I will percentage. say... Percentage, the percentage, yeah. Yep. Uh... 
18 percent it's a little high it's 10 but a cigar for each year i have had a cigar it's it's actually kind of frightening i, I i'm afraid every year i'm going to jinx somebody and then like someone's yeah. gonna go but uh um i've had a cigar i've had a a, a company either go out of business or <laughs> the cigar is no longer manufactured one cigar per year that's i mean crazy. look that's actually you may think it's high, but that's super low. Um, I would bet you if you took most people's top 25 lists, uh, you would probably see an attrition rate of 40%. Well, yeah. I just put the rock, I just put the rocky edge 10 times. And so I'm good to go. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, you're good. Solid pick. Um, well, I mean, any, I mean, and, and not to not to poke funny. I know you don't care, Aaron, but not to poke at you, but I mean, like, what are your, your number one cigar from years, a couple years ago? I mean, it didn't even, it arguably didn't even make it necessarily to the marketplace or stayed on the marketplace very long because it got Absolutely. Sold. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like uh, what Tim was saying that these just, these, uh, these core lines just don't, they don't make it or uh, they, or, and it seems like more and more that they're just going towards, uh, we're just having more and more limited projects and stuff, which is sad about this Espinosa 10 because it's fucking phenomenal. So um, what, Tim, I mean, is there any inside information you can give us about it that uh, you're able to? I mean, is there a reason why it's is it the tobacco? Is it just what they wanted to celebrate it with a with a limited edition, the the anniversary, or what what made this particularly limited that you're aware of? Well, I, I think that uh, you know, especially with those anniversary cigars, um, you know, you want to make it special. So obviously, one of those things is you're using more select tobaccos, which you know will will definitely limit the number of. Um, however, you know, if something takes off, you know, commercially, it does, you know, come back with a second life, maybe as a rebranded as something else, or, you know, it, it's a, a version 2.0 of it. Um, but I think that's part of it is number one, you want to make it special. So obviously, you know, you use more select tobaccos, which limits the production. And number two, you want to see whether or not this is something that actually, you know, has like, it's a good way of almost test marketing something, you know, and uh, if, if it's, you know, something that, succeeds and it goes off the market for a little place it's funny how again Barry, you've probably seen this people want what they don't have they may not necessarily buy it when they first came out but once it goes off the marketplace where they hear about it then suddenly it's all oh god this was a great cigar maybe i should go get it and you know it, it comes back as in a, in a second life so i think part of that is to make it special and, and then you're using more select tobaccos number two if it does sell then obviously you can try and and you know, come out with some another version of it or reproduce it uh, uh, as something as a regular core line or a semi-regular release, you know, um, as it, uh, as it, uh, as it becomes available, you know, the tobaccos. Definitely. I want to get some more of these thank yous in while we get some time here real quick. Um, so starting off with uh, take 77, uh, we had uh, Pedro Gomez, uh, Brady Hayek, Mike Stevankevich, uh also ben holt matt booth um justin andrews zev kamenetsky um kurt kendall uh michael giannini george rico garrett robertson jason lois tony Bellato, luciano mireles bradley rubin uh pete johnson was my hundredth take thor nielsen javi carranza uh oliver nouveau Drew Newman, Raphael Nodal, uh, Claudio Sroy, Abe DeBabna, Michael Herklotz, uh, Glenn Case, Dan Thompson, 
Jesse Marriott and Steve Garabine, Luis Cuevas, Alec Rubin, um, Indiana Ortez, Glenn Loop, Sebastian DiCope, Kevin Kythan, James Brown, Steve Saka, Scott Pierce, Nick Melillo, Anfon, Joe Groh, Charlie Minato, Robert Holt, Laurel Tilly, Sean Williams, Jeff Hogan, George Remy. And that gets us up to take almost take 150. Nick Perdomo was my 150th take, and Alan Rubin was take 149. So quite a quite a number of people. We had a Fair, lot of next year, maybe. Maybe next year you should do a list of people who haven't appeared on your show. Probably uh, a little bit uh, shorter and probably and at this point. At this and, point, and, and it might actually help them get on. So you know, encourage them to to appear. Take one fifty one, Danny Vasquez. You know, again, there were a couple of names in this list that I've named. You know, Stephen Bailey, Ben Holt. You know, that aren't Those in the industry. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are ten percenters. Yeah, I was gonna say they are, they're not in the industry anymore. So <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. it's it's crazy. So. And I mean, and these were, I mean, these, these were, like I said, I wouldn't, t- I wouldn't trade any of these takes for anything. They were fascinating conversations with some great people and everything, but it's, it shows you that kind of attrition that this industry has, not just with cigars, but also brands and everything mm-hmm. like that. So um, from, I, I think with the last question that we tackled this, this kind of question kind of get molded into it, but I wanted to see if anyone had a different perspective that they wanted to offer. When it comes to your opinion about cigars over the last five years, has your opinion changed overall or has it stayed consistent and it's the cigars that have changed like we were kind of talking about before? Aaron, I'm, I'm, uh, Loomis, I'm going to come to you first on this. Um, and has your opinion changed at all, do you think? Do you think you've become um, more strict in your scoring? Do you think you've become or you think you'd like to think that you've stayed pretty consistent on your opinion? Um, I like to think I've stayed pretty consistent, but I think that um, I think most people um, kind of as you're in something and you spend a lot more focused time on something that you kind of thought was a hobby at the beginning, um, some of like the luster that maybe it made things made you overlook other things kind of wears off and you're a little bit more focused on, you know, what's actually happening and things like that. That you're just a little bit more kind of in tune with. Uh, being able to focus on what actually you're consuming and things of that nature. And maybe, yeah, maybe you turn out to be a little bit more picky or you're a little bit more critical in regards to how you do that. Um, so, you know, I think as time goes on, just your, your experience and your, um, you know, just being around it uh, and doing it uh, in the repetitions. Um, I think you just kind of second nature kind of, kind of figure out what what's going on and how things are going to go and uh, things like that. But uh, you always got to keep an open mind and and be ready for that cigar to come at you from out of nowhere and blow your socks off. So, um, yeah, it's just a it's it's a balance of trying to kind of maintain that while you know while kind of taking all of your experience in that and in kind of um, not trying to um, fake yourself out in regards to not not wanting to enjoy something that's just being presented to you. So, going to your name of the of your of your website, developing palettes. I think, well, I think all, everyone on the panel would agree that, you know, palettes change over time. Yeah. Um, what have you, what have you noticed about your palette that's changed in the last five years? Is there a particular type of tobacco, a t- particular type of cigar, maybe Vitola, something that you gravitate more towards that you didn't, you know, five years ago? Um, I don't think so. 
No, um, maybe the one thing I've done is I've become less interested in, in the details of the tobacco. Um, and I just want to smoke the cigar. Um, and I just want to, I just want the final, you know, the final experience kind of a thing. Um, I don't want to get too wrapped up in, you know, I should be tasting this because this is the wrapper. I mean, these are all blends. Like there's, there's very little, you know, single tobacco furrows that are, you know, being created. Um, you know, there have been some at times, but like, these are all blends. You're going to get different experiences. You know, there may be a tobacco in there that you key on that you think you like, but all the other components are going to you know, have an effect on, you know, how that's delivered to you. So um, I try, I, I've, I've kind of let go of the details of what it is. I'm, I'll smoke anything. I just want to have a good tasting cigar. So uh, what I want is I want great flavor delivery, um, you know, good construction. Obviously that's what everybody wants. Um, I like balance, uh, but I'm fine if you want to deliver a bunch of strength, if you can ha have the flavor that kind of goes along with that. I don't want strength for the sake of strength. Um, and I don't want, no strength for the strength of the sake of no strength. So, um, but I, I love, I'll smoke anything. I just want, just have good delivery of flavor. That's, that's, that's the main goal. So um, yeah, that, that's the only thing I can hope for. Ben, as you often talk about on like the round table and other shows that we've been on, like you're, you really prefer that, that, that Vitola, the Corona Gorda, you know, size you like smaller gauges and everything is that something that's probably developed over the last five years has that changed at all what about your opinion has changed about cigars hmm. um no not really i've always really liked the the smaller ring gauges like the corona gorda size being corona gorda linesdale coronas i've always kind of been my favorite and i think that kind of developed a long time ago um where i first started writing reviews and stuff like that was a forum it's called cigar weekly and a lot of those guys uh lived in the new orleans area and we would hurt a lot and, uh, and back then there was a lot of them that would only smoke cuban cigars right so and a lot of those were you know they would smoke they're the ones that turned me on like you know the back the hm magnum 46s punch punches you know stuff like that and uh like mining number fours so we would smoke a lot of those i always you know really like those well you know unbeknownst to me at the time they're, they're, those are always really super aged when we had them so a lot of the first cigars i smoked were like that it, even like the punch elites which is a corona uh, cigar too you know um i didn't really smoke a lot of big ring gauges but when i was smoking there really were no six by 60s back in the day like a big cigar was a you know, six by 52 Toro. That was a big one. So I've kind of always liked um, those smaller ring gauges. I don't know. I just, I just find them more pleasant to smoke. It's always, it's kind of always been that way. Now, I mean, I'll smoke a large ring gauge if, if it's somebody whose palate I trust, like, oh, I think you should, I know it's a six by 60, but you should really try, like Coop has done this to me two or three times with six by 60s and he's never failed me. You know, I mean, but I'll try them, and usually when they say that, they're right. They're they're pretty good. I still don't really would go back to them because to me they're just not comfortable smoking cigars. Um, but I mean, the only really change that I've had, like palate wise, is um, I I was kind of early on. I I would like I liked a lot more full-bodied stuff and 
now you know i guess i've been smoking for so long and i'm getting older i prefer medium bodied stuff now like that's that's my wheelhouse now i can appreciate full body stuff still but if you gave the option i, w- I would rather smoke something as medium medium plus than anything else because i'm like aaron I, the flavor is key right strength is cool and all but it's it's second to flavor flavor is everything I don't really care about the, you know, the strength of the cigar as much as, as much as this flavor delivery. Um, but really, that's kind of the only thing that's changed in, you know, like like what twenty five plus years of smoking cigars. That's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the only thing I could think of that's kind of changed. You know, it's almost like a pendulum. Like I started in mild, medium, went to full, and now it's going back to medium. So. That's kind of the only thing that's changed really with, with me. Yeah. I mean, when I first started this, I mean, five years ago, if I, you had told me that my fifth top 10, my fifth number one cigar of the year would have been a Connecticut shade, you know, the dissident rave. Like that, that was, I probably not, you know, five years ago, if you'd asked me that, I probably would have said, no, that's not going to happen, but it, it did. You know, I I'm smoking yeah. a lot more Connecticut's now and a lot more mild to medium bodied cigars. I kind of live in that medium wheelhouse as well. Um, but I love, I still love full body cigars, still love them. Yeah. Um, so, with those Connecticut's we're talking about, we love is they're not what we, how we always say that they're, they're not our grandfather's Connecticut's, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, back when I first started smoking in the mid 90s, you know, the Connecticut's were super mild body and mostly just woody, and you didn't get much flavor out of them, but now you know, they're medium body. They got some, they got a lot more, you know, body to them and strength. Uh, there's a lot more flavor to them. So now they're a lot more interesting to smoke than they used to be. Like I, I smoke Connecticut's a ton now. That's the most, that's probably mostly what I would smoke, honestly, is Connecticut wrapped cigars. I mean, we, we always, we always talk about, talk about going back to what we talked about a bit ago is not only, you know, do brands kill off brands but the you know brands will buy other brands and then kill off their best damn cigar for no reason apparently you know that being like like the balmoral connecticut xo you know yep. <laughs> you're, you're, you're you're never gonna get over that are you ben never never and i'll never forgive justin andrews and i hate him on the record <laughs> on the record it will always be that way write it in stone <laughs> but still yeah that's that's a good point though it's like not only do our palates change a little bit but these cigars change you know i remember when the first six of one black came out and i was talking to eddie ortega where they they killed it off right i'm like dude what the hell what are you doing i love that cigar why would you kill that off and he's like well you know it, it, it was before it's time i see that now back when this was like what eight or nine years ago i can't remember how long ago it was that first originally came out but way, way more than eight or nine years ago <laughs> yeah. 2006 i remember yeah yeah it was, a, it was a long time ago but i remember i remember talking to him and saying well it the time wasn't right to bring that cigar out because it was too full body for connecticut shade smokers at the time but it wasn't full it wasn't it didn't have enough body for the full-bodied smokers to appreciate either so it was kind of left in no man's land you know so i i get it but now that's changed so mm-hmm. 
you know, it's not only do our palates change, because it, it, I echo everything Aaron said, except not giving a crap about what's in the cigar and the blend, all that. I do really care about that. Why, but, though? Why? Because I like yeah. to know what the hell I'm smoking and why I like it. I want to know why I like this cigar. Okay. Okay. Not that I just, oh, it's cool. It tastes good. I'll, I like to know. It's the same when I, I try out recipes. I'm at a restaurant. I eat something. Oh, this is really good. I wonder what's sitting here. That mm. Why do I like it? All I right. want to know why. But so it gives me a path, right? It lets me know, oh, this is this is cool. I, I like this flavor. What's to give this flavor? Oh, it's this. So I get it, it says I need to adventure more into this type of tobacco or learn more about it or whatever. But still, like you said, it doesn't matter if the flavor sucks, right? Flavor is everything. But my whole point was like what, what Bear was saying was like, not, it's not just our palate change, just the cigar change over time, which is just a cool evolution of how things are. It's true. Neil, you know, you kind of answered this at the very top of the show with it, but your opinion of cigars has changed because, I mean, like you said, you you enjoyed them, you enjoyed them on the golf course and everything. And then, you know, the Le Bijou 1922 box press torpedo kind of changed your outlook on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I mean, I mean, other than I mean, is it just volume? You know, the amount that you've smoked now? I mean, what what's changed about your opinion about cigars? Oh. The volume has definitely increased over time. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But, um, so I'm with what, uh, with what Ben said. So when I got into, when I started geeking out, I went full body. Like I was, give me body, give me strength, give me pepper, give me just more, give me a buzz, whatever the case was at the beginning. And both conjunction of what the manufacturers have put out from a Connecticut standpoint is a great example, but I've gravitated more towards um, the complexity. I think, I think when it, it, kudos to the, the, the blenders manufacturers that can put out those full body, full strength that have complexity to it. I mean, it, there's not, there's some, but not a lot. I, I found that, for me, I've gravitated more towards the middle, the medium, medium plus. I don't smoke anything mild. Now, that's not to say because, you know, I, I smoke a lot of Connecticut's now too. And I used to never smoke Connecticut's. Um, but now I've gone towards the middle because I think my palate has changed. But also, um, I never used to pay attention to cigars when I smoked. I mean, it was golf course, whatever or I was with at a wedding or, you know, an event and you're just kind of, you're not paying attention to what you're smoking. You're like, Hey, this is a great time. It's the experience. It's the environment you're in, everything that we still love about cigars, but I never used to pay it really attention to it. And now um, when the opportunity presents itself, I do really pay attention to the nuances of the cigars. And I can typically in that medium range is where I feel like the the true craftsmanship, if you will, of a blending comes through. On top of the fact, I was never, I, I can I can probably think of half a dozen cigars that I've ever smoked that have been more than, you know, in that 60, 60 ring gauge. I have smoked them on, a, on occasion. Even the ones, like Ben said, even the ones that I've, I've found enjoyable, I just don't go back to them. It's not a comfortable, smoke for me i'm always in that like 
50, 48, 46 range. Um, and I've gone smaller too, to that Corona Gorda size. And you, and I'll give credit to, to you guys too. I mean, you know, the, like all, like a lot of cigar smokers, if we're learning what we like, um, I pick up on what you guys recommend. And there's been so many occasions where you're like, yeah, if you like that cigar, go smoke it in the Corona Gorda size. And that's the other thing that, that I've, I've, never really knew or really couldn't tell the difference of the Vitolas. I mean, when I was first smoking, it was like, okay, Robusto, Toro, whatever, pick it up. And I would really never think like, okay, this cigar is going to be more, I like it in Toro. What's it going to be like in Corona Gorda? Find that sweet spot size in a given cigar. Um, I, I do that now. So it's like, I, I typically, if I've, if I'm going in and I'm going to buy something, I don't want to say sight, sight unseen, smoked unseen, whatever you want to call it. I'll, I'll go usually now either Corona Gorda or Toro. Um, but I will, as you, you guys know, in our, in our text chain, before I buy something, I'll ask if you guys have smoked it and in what size. And, you know, for me, it's, it's trying to understand. I'll, I'll read a review what, what, you know, Aaron's put up on developing pallets or what Coop maybe has put up or reach out to you guys and say, Hey, what size is, what have you guys found the best, you know, what's the sweet spot of this cigar? And especially like, if you think about um, like in the, in the crown headlines, a lot of time it's their, it's their Robusto size, right? A lot of times that's like their sweet spot of that. Well, for whatever reason, the blends that they put out in the Robusto. So maybe I'll go that. So long-winded answer saying it's, it's changed over time, but that's not, that's because I've changed as a smoker. I mean, as much as I smoke now, you start honing in on what you, you're going to like, and you kind of gravitate because I'm, I'm with Aaron, what he talked about. I, for me, it's all about flavor. It's, it's, it, I don't care about, I mean, yeah, I know what to expect usually from a Corojo or I, I know what to expect from a Habano just because I've been smoking it long enough. But I was at a party this summer and uh, it was my in-laws and they were, you know, they, they tout them, they smoke a lot. They, but, and they were like, okay, I'm like, well, what do you guys like to smoke? Like Maduro. They think that, that the Maduro is like a leaf, right? They just think it's <laughs> Maduro's like universal Maduro. I smoke Maduro's. I'm like, okay, well, what, what, I'm uh, Maduro. It's like, well, okay. I, I gave, I gave up on that. So um, hey, I just, Greg, I just, I, I'm about flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, uh, two minute bathroom break. <laughs> yeah. Go, go ahead. You guys like to talk. I'll be back in a second. Yeah. Uh, no worries. All right. Yeah. So I don't know. I think kind of what Tim said though, too, I think it, it's, it's price and how long do I get out of a cigar is what most people, what most people, you know, look for. And, and so therefore, if you think about, time they you're going to probably get a longer smoke in that 660 so people go to the they think they're getting the most value out of a 660 maybe but may not be the most enjoyable i don't think they give other vitolas a shot because they just i don't know for whatever reason that's what they gravitate towards so yep uh aaron i know you're also pre uh, pressed for time are you uh are you good for i'm okay for maybe another 15 minutes 20 minutes Okay, so uh, this is a this is an important question uh, that I want to get to uh, for the panel, too. So I'll will start with you. Um, you know, Tim mentioned Tim mentioned uh, a moment ago when he was talking about that the that the quality of cigars has never been higher, 
um, in terms of just you may not like the flavor as he as he said, but the way they're manufactured and everything. So let's look toward the future. So we've been talking about the last five years, the next five years. In your opinion, will the cigars be better than the last five or worse and why? Hmm. Um, there's a chance that it'll be better towards the second half of that five years, but I think you're going to probably continue to see a, a downtrend for at least another couple of years. Um, I just don't have, I, you know, I, I haven't seen the proof in what I've been smoking that think that there's a turnaround. Um, so I, I just don't know if that's the blending that's happening or just the quality of tobacco. I know Tim said, you know, it's the greatest time and all that stuff. I understand that there's so many brands and all that stuff, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly smoking, like I, I'm only smoking new things. Like I don't, I really usually don't go back and smoke something again. Um, I'm always smoking new stuff and it's just not, I'm not impressed on a consistent basis that like, man, like they're, these guys are just like continuing with their best stuff every time. Um, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm seeing brands that I've had felt were consistent starting to fall off. And I'm like, this is, this doesn't seem like we're, we're seeing the best of times. And, I, and it's hard to do that. I think, you know, you just had the pandemic. Um, people weren't able to go out of the factory. Not, not all these brands have their own factories, live in those countries and things like that. They couldn't get down there. They're maybe they're doing blends over phone or email or whatever, mailing them back and forth. And that's not going to get you the best results. Um, so possibly you'll see something in, in you know, year four, year five, where things starting to pick up. But I, I don't, I can't positively say that's going to happen, but I will say that I think that you'll probably still see at least year one, two, and three, you're probably still sliding a little bit. So when, can I ask a question on that though, Aaron, just to sure. piggyback off of your comment. So when you talk about the slide, are you talking about, flavor or construction or both because i think where i've seen it uh what i would say better times i do think going back to my long rant a while back i do think that from a construction standpoint that again whether it's the the bands and whether it's the the draw and the overall construction of cigars i think has never been better at least what i've seen and maybe i've gotten lucky now i will agree with you in terms of the stuff that's been put out flavor-wise for me, because I can't yeah. say universal for me is, is not as good as it, it maybe should be or has been. So are you going on flavor? Um, continue kind of that little bit of that down or construction or both? Pretty much flavor. I mean, construction wise, I know people have said that, you know, they may have noticed some, you know, an increase in construction issues. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen that enough where I'm like, I'm noticing it. And I say, yeah, I've noticed that. There might be a slight change to that, but I, I can't say that I've noticed, you know, more draw issues or more burn issues than I had in four years ago or anything like that. But, you know, just kind of tracking our scores at developing pallets, pretty much everybody on our team has seen a slide year over year from the last, you know, four or five years till now. Um and I would say, yeah, maybe somebody's gonna have this thing where like they're, you know, maybe they're getting more jaded about cigars, but to have the whole team kind of doing that I don't, I don't know that that would be the case i think it's just we're, we're just feeling that that's the case of cigars aren't hitting us as well as they had been in previous years and that just kind of across the board for all of us so that's kind of where i kind of get that feeling that it's just not not as good 
so I, 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 yeah. And so let me ask you, okay, so let's piggyback off of that. Again, let's go back to the, the flavor. Cause I'm curious and, and I agree with you, but I'm trying to uh, pinpoint. Do you think that as these blenders are putting cigars together, if you look at what flavor profiles you deem as is above average, right? So mm-hmm. good or what? Right. Um, there's certain flavor profiles that you kind of gravitate towards. And I think a lot of us would agree with, with those flavor profiles of what we feel is good. Are they, are they getting away from what we, what, what we're looking for in a cigar and they're saying, okay, we're going to make everything woody or we're going to make everything, you know, earthy, or we're going to make everything because they've got to know here's what I'm getting. They've got to know when they blend a cigar, what the profile that cigar is good, what it tastes like and how it's going to resonate. So, my question is, I guess, why aren't they blending more towards what we would deem um, good, or do they just not care? I mean, there's definitely there's obviously be people that care, right? You know, they want to deliver the best product they can, but yep. um, they're also they need to sell they need to sell cigars, and you know, um, maybe maybe they don't need to, um, you know, they don't they don't necessarily need to cater to the people that if there's a small subsection of people that are really paying attention or smoking the entire cigar or all that, um, you know, maybe somebody's blending for uh, a magazine top 25 list and you probably don't have to blend a great cigar all the way through to get to that onto that list. Um, but like this year, I definitely have seen that more wood, that more earth focused flavor profiles. Right. And those just get mundane really fast, at least to me, you know, it may be a good profile in the first third, but like when it's just when they just keep pounding at you at like that, it just I lose I lose interest like halfway through the cigar. And it was like, it's the same thing. Like I need like my palate is tired of this. I I, I need a transition or two that's significant enough to capture my attention. And, you know, I just don't it just doesn't feel like that's that's what's occurring. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. And I, I, what I, what I found that at least I was going through a period of like two years to where it's like, I would pick up specifically like a Nicaraguan cigar. Cause that became like the, the in vogue region and everything I picked up tasted the same, everything. And I was like, okay, maybe my palate changed this, that, but it was like everything I picked up tasted exactly the same. It's like, okay, why did, and I would kick myself. I'm like, why did I pop that thing? Hoping that it was going to taste something different you know, finding a nuance. That's why like perfect examples when the, um, the tabernacle CT came out Mm -hmm. and whether you, anybody, whether you like it or not, it's different, right? Right. It's, it's got a different profile to it than something that came out around it. And, and I just found that so many things started tasting exactly the same. And I think that's a huge detriment to the industry why everything just continues to go well to go down a little bit it's not the quality per se it's the it's boring yeah and that's why i I kind of say that there's there's a few number of cigars in a given year that i find that are exciting you have a bulk of those cigars that kind of are in that similar flavor profile and you know you're having slight variations to try to find a difference in between them but there's you know they're kind of all in that same flavor delivery, scoring range, however, yep. you, you know, you're, yep. Uh, yep. how they appeal to you. And you say, all right, these are all in this big bucket. And then there was these three that kind of got to the top and fell out of the bucket. And they're, those are the ones I would go smoke again. But if somebody handed me one that came out of the bucket, I'd smoke it. 
but I'm not going to go buy it again because yep. I have yep. these other ones that I know I can go to. So, yep. yeah, yeah, I I agree. So, Tim, Ben, uh, now that you both are back here, the que the question that I posed to the panel was, and Tim, to play off of your comment earlier about the quality of tobacco never being higher, a little bit was, you know, we're look we've looked a lot at the past now. We're looking at the next the next five years. So, in the next five years, do you think cigars will be better? or worse or the same? And it's kind of an open-ended question. So um, Tim, I'll, I'll come to you because I'm interested to hear your perspective. Well, I'm, you know, I'm listening to, to, to what you guys have been talking about. And um, I, it's a, your classifications are very, I think, broad in terms of like better or worse. Um, that's all very, very subjective. Um, and I know what Aaron's saying in that, 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 you know, when you smoke, a thousand, two thousand cigars uh, uh, or more a year, you know, you're going to taste a lot of similarities because, you know, truth is truth. There's only so much raw material that we use, and and you know, the the, the artistry and all of it is in the blending and in the construction. So, you know, and, and it's like it's like the movie business. Everything is cyclical, right? You know, it, it, something comes out that's the hot category, and the next year something different, but you know, everything sort of makes, it comes back, it makes the rounds, right? And this year's wrapper is hot. And then the next year it could be, you know, maybe this year it's, it's Habano, next year it's Corojo, next year it's Cameroon, whatever it may be, you know, it, you're going to get, uh, you know, um, a continuing stream of, of, you know, new product because that's, that's, you know, what, what, what drives our industry. So I don't necessarily think anything is going to be better or, uh, or worse. It's just going to continue that way where we're going to get new product and we're going to see, um, you know, we're going to find things that we're going to like. And there are things that are going to disappear that, that, you know, we love that may not, you know, that uh, we don't want to see go away that we'll, we'll come back to. So, I, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I'll put a positive spin on it. I think that, you know, as long as we're going to continue to get all these choices, it's going to be better uh, you know from a consumer uh standpoint because you know you're going to get to try more things and yeah the cost of that may be some things that we that we love may, may disappear but again if it's something that is 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 you know clamored for it, it's going to make a comeback in, in some in some form and um you know maybe it comes back better maybe it comes back a little bit worse in our opinions but it's going to be there you know it's going to continue to to uh you know come back uh, in a different format in a different, um, you know, uh, uh, maybe a little slightly different blend, but uh, you know, we, we kind of, well, you know, we're, we're beholden to what the consumer demand is going to be. So, uh, and from that standpoint, you know, like, like, you know, Ben was saying, because there are more educated palates and there are people that are, are continuing to, to smoke, um, looking for different things. I, I think that that uh, gives us, more incentive to continue to to create uh, new things and, and what we think is new things, and they might be slightly different because of of all we sm uh, we smoke. But you know that's how we get you know new things that we we're gonna we're gonna find out that we enjoy, and that's the only way we can do that is to continue to have you know new product come to the marketplace. And maybe you know one out of every hundred may hit us, but it, it may maybe it's more, um, but we won't know till it comes out. So. I kind of look at it as you know, as long as guys are, are still willing to be creative and, and try different things, that's all positive for us. And I think that makes us better. You know, and as long as quality continues to be where it's at, now it's all a matter of palate. You know, you know that's why we smoke, we smoke. So to figure out what things that uh, we can continue to, to enjoy and, and as, as our palates evolve, uh, maybe we find something new. 
So despite your comparison to the movie industry, Tim, what I'm also hearing is that you think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you're all, what I'm also hearing is that you think innovation will continue to rise in the next five years. Right. But it also needs to be innovation, but with a, a throw in to the familiar, because, you know, it, it's very hard to create something that's completely unique. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just because, again, you know, you're limited to the ingredients, as, as Ben said, at, that, uh, that we have at the time. And maybe we come up with something new and creative and maybe it's, uh, you know, it hits and sometimes it doesn't, you know. But again, you know, all you can do is continue to, to you know, use the materials that you've gotten and, and try and be creative, you know, for every blend that comes to the market, there are a hundred that may not make it or a thousand that may not make it because we just, um, uh, as an industry, go, okay, maybe this will sell, maybe this won't sell, maybe this people will like it, maybe we won't. That's all a matter of opinion. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes some things that are maybe fantastic may not get there because of whatever circumstance there may be. Ben, I'm going to step away when, uh, while you express your, your opinion uh, for just a second. Um, the, uh, but the next five years, we talked a lot about the past five years. The next five years, uh, what uh, will cigars be better? Will they be worse? Will they be the same? What are your thoughts? I, yeah, I think they'll be better. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, agree totally with what Tim just said. It's, it's exactly what I think as well. Um, but I think it, with more than that, too, is I, I think as we get better um with our techniques and technology agriculturally that will help you know expand you know tobacco and not only just making our crops healthier and have a higher yield but able to grow crops in areas where they're not usually grown at right like for instance um they're actually the uh, North Carolina. I think it's the Extension Service here is actually playing around with growing can, uh, broadleaf here in Western North Carolina in the mountains, actually. Um, so, and that's never been done before. And they're actually trying to to see how how it reacts to the weather here in the mountains. Which I mean, literally, if you go forty five minutes south, which will be in the South Carolina, you go out of the mountains down to the valleys the weather is actually totally different not it's not that far away right so they're experimenting with brawley growing up here in this higher elevation and much cooler and actually wetter climate than other areas because north carolina is a big tobacco growing state but a lot of what they grow is a lot of burley they, they do burley like the back of their hand here brawley is totally foreign to them right so they're trying to actually see how broadleaf will grow in the state of North Carolina, which is actually pretty cool. And then we see stuff come back like Florida sun grown, right? Like that's, a, you know, a, a tobacco that was grown a long, long time ago, but which just kind of just almost faded away completely. And now it's spring bought back, you know? So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, with their advances and, you know, our agricultural technologies, Will we see more tobaccos, like I guess, like heritage tobaccos, um, grown again, uh, grown in areas that it's not normally grown in, and, and you know, so I, I think we'll see, you know, like I said, besides higher yields than what we're getting now, it's places where we always have it, you know, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, Honduras, Ecuador, everywhere, Cameroon, Indonesia, all over, right, um. 
better tobacco there, but in areas where we might not be used to hearing tobacco grown at. And what flavor and profiles will that bring into our different blends and cigars in the future? I, I think that's yeah. that's something that is will come eventually. And I'll give you a prime example of that too. Um, you know, having worked for Major Fernandez, I mean, the guy is a, a, a you know master agronomist. I mean, the guy is constantly hybridizing his own seeds. A uh, prime example of that, if you guys haven't tried it yet, is that New World Dorado. Um, that's one of those uh, almost primarily single farm uh, cigars. Um, that Dorado wrapper that he's grown has got this unique color to it, unique flavor. It's different from anything else he's ever produced, but he's constantly doing that. I mean, a lot of the stuff like uh, the Bayes Artist has a, a hybrid wrapper um, that's that was grown, you know, by him, hybridized by him, and it's exclusive to him. And I think you're absolutely correct as, as guys you know, are looking for new ways to create new blends, that's going to be one of the big steps in the futures, both heritage tobaccos and new crop that uh, that is different because, you know, people have smoked a lot of everything that's out there. You smoke a lot of Habano, a lot of Corojo, a lot of Criollo. Well, how do you change that? Obviously, it's to create new tobacco blends that might be, you know, a little different than what you're used to. And that gives us, you know, more more ingredients to create on the on the palate. Yeah, Bear, we talked about before, like, you know, have we reached the 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 pinnacle, I guess, of broadleaf, right? You know, we talked had that conversation and then asked Pete about it. Well, now they're like I said, they're talking about growing Carolina broadleaf. That's mm -hmm. a whole new that's you know, that's that's a whole new thing now to experiment with mm -hmm. with broadleaf, you know. Yeah. I mean, it just is for or talk about Florida Sunrun, right? So the Florida Panhandle, where I lived at in Tallahassee, there there's a small town just north there called Havana, which grew had massive tobacco farms just all over the place. Now who's to say we couldn't grow broadleaf there or a a type of corojo? I I don't know I don't I don't know exactly what was grown there, but what if we start growing stuff there again? I mean that's that's a whole new ingredient for a, a recipe bl blend of a cigar Absolutely. that we'll never we've never tasted before, and I, I think that's where that's something that will definitely change the game in the future. And I I see us heading that way. I mean stuff like adapting like Davidoff adapting the you know bear growing principles how that they that I think it was Christian Arroyo brought that to to Davidoff and then they're using that now everywhere you know it, it's kind of changed the way they did tobaccos so uh, it just the, in that that little part alone to me gets me excited for the future of cigars and tobaccos that I kind of can't wait to see what come, we come up with next you know the industry sure and uh, again I'll give you another example like uh, one of the brands that I've just picked up is uh, Ricky Rodriguez is West Tampa um, and his two original the two blends he's come out with there's a white label and a black label. Um, but what's unique about it is both of those tobaccos, uh, both those cigars are 100% exactly the same. The only difference is uh, the wrapper on the black is from a higher priming and it's fermented differently. And it makes for two very distinct blends, even though the components are 100% the same. So not only is it the tobaccos, but how we process it, we're still learning. That, I mean, that's uh, you know, uh, one of those arts that is continuing to evolve is uh, you know the fermentation is sort of the secret sauce. How do we process this tobacco to make it a little bit more unique, a little bit different? And that's always been sort of the secret sauce is during fermentation is how how we can uh, adapt a tobacco mm -hmm. and, and change the way that it is 
based on how we process it. Definitely. Well, Aaron, I wanted to uh, thank you again for joining us tonight. I know you said you uh, you need to leave uh, a little bit early and everything. We just got a few more questions, but I, I did not uh, want uh, uh, you to take off without, uh, again, expressing my, my gratitude and my uh, just how thankful I am for you to join us tonight. I know it was a little bit of a last minute thing, especially, but uh, for you to make some time for us tonight, I really, really appreciate it. It's been... Yep, it was great. Thank you for having me on. Hey, Aaron. Yes. Before you leave, tell Coop that I want to be back in the uh, the little uh, shack uh, at Christmas this year. I'll be part of okay. that show. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll I'll be home for the holidays, it. so you know I'll be happy to come out and uh, you know uh, hang out in, uh, with you for that Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Right, have a great night, guys. Right. Thanks, right. Aaron. See you, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Bye, you grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As we uh, say goodbye to Aaron uh, for the night, we just got a few more questions, guys. Celebrating five years of El Oso Fumar Takes, uh, we've been thanking uh, uh, the people that have made uh, these 230 takes very special. And so I've been naming everybody that I've had on. Uh, so we're going to continue with a couple of more names here. Uh, Joshua Haberski, Dean Parsons, Justo Iroa, Amanda McAuliffe, Jack Tarano, um, Andy Yaffe, uh, Lee Marsh, Antoine Reed, Matt Tobacco, um, Tracy Spence, uh, Sam Spencer, uh, Mickey Pegg, Eddie Guerra, Ram Rodriguez, um, David Garofalo, Chris Monaco, Henderson Ventura, and coming into a couple of repeats, Dave Hayden last year. This was our, our fourth anniversary with Tim last year. We had Dave Hayden on and Brian uh, Matola. Yeah. From their car. From their <laughs> car. back from wherever. Yeah. Uh, I've brought back for the big smoke, right? It was the big smoke. That's right. It was. That's so really it was the yeah. same time. Uh, and uh, just a fantastic show that that was. Um, we had uh, Randy Griggs from Flavor Odyssey also on. Fred Rui. Uh, and uh, we also had uh, for our 200th take uh, earlier this year. Uh, we had uh, the legend himself, Carlito Fuente. So we'll wrap up the last thank yous here in just a few minutes. But uh, wanted to go on to this or that segment. This is something new that I've been instituting. It's been a little bit of fun uh, that we've been doing. So this is kind of a more rapid fire session, guys. So uh, I'm giving you uh, a choice of two things and you just just pick one and whatever it is. So uh, we've uh, Aaron was the only one that was comfortable tonight. And so it's, it's, it's fitting that he left for this next question. So um, everyone else has been cold as fuck. So what uh, in cold weather, what are, what's the preferred thing? Do we have a pullover or jacket, Tim? Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> the pullover, the jacket on top of the pullover. That's what I've got tonight. So <laughs> Nielsen pullover or jacket. jacket. Jacket, because I think you're. Uh, I think the jacket is. Uh, you can go levels of jacket. I think pullovers usually are kind of monotone, so we'll uh, we'll go with the jacket on this one. Ben, well, you know, one of the answers is going to be flannel. So, right. <laughs> so it's it's always going to be flannel first, yes. and then I got I actually got two flannels on tonight, and this wool uh, shooting jacket. So it's always jacket because it's like what you know what Eric just said. I could I could take this on or off, right? But uh, man, tonight it just ain't cutting it. It's now twenty three degrees here. Yeah, it's it's cold. It's about what it is here too. It's cold. We've got uh, I'm 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 the flannel guy too, but I always do I do pullovers over the flannel. So I'm the I'm the odd man out of this 
All right, so all things being equal, the weather not being a component like it is tonight. So uh, let's just say 70 degrees inside and outside. Are you smoking indoors or outdoors? Tim. Well, you know, being from uh, California, we smoke primarily outdoors. Um, you know, there's very, we can still smoke indoors in lounges and shops, but you know, nothing beats smoking outdoors and it's a nice pleasant evening and it's, you know, 70 degrees, absolutely outside. Ben, what about you? Oh yeah, I, I'd much prefer outside. I mean, it's, I just like it. I like the open air, honestly. I mean, this is going to sound goofy, but be honest, I, I like it to be, you know, I, I like sitting in a giant cloud of smoke of mine and other people's, you know, I, I like being outside and the smoke just dissipates and you can really enjoy the cigar for what it is. So I much prefer outside. Nielsen. Yep. I'm going to go, uh, outdoors. It's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's like, I'm not going to say it's a guy. It's kind of like peeing, right? I, there's something about like when you, as a guy, you just, there's something about taking a leak outside. It's just kind of freeing. Oh, so a thousand percent. Yeah. Like my son, when I remember like my son was little, he's just like going and peeing on the, uh, you know, on the, the backyard just because it, because you can. Right. So it's, mm -hmm. for me, it's definitely uh, smoking outdoors. Probably this conversation took a turn for the worst time. <laughs> Usually I, does when I'm on. I was, I was, it's really funny. I was literally, I was uh, just after we moved out here to the country uh, earlier this year, I was listening to an interview on a podcast of Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian. And he was talking about how one of his favorite things to do is he lives out in the country as well. And that's why he loves being home is he'll go every morning. He gets up, he gets out of, you know, he gets out of bed. He goes outside to his back porch and he just lets a leak rip. And it's, he said, it's the greatest freeing thing ever. And I totally, I'm with that. I, I love living out in the country because I could do it. My wife says it to me all the time. She's like, we have a bathroom five steps from the bed. And I'm like, yeah, it's just not the same. It just feels so much better outside. So, yeah. Uh, but all that, but on that note, I'm, I'm the odd man out again. I definitely like it. I love smoking indoors, but it gets really hot out here in Texas too. So I, I guess that has something to do with it. But uh, even in, even on a perfect day, I think I'd still rather prefer to smoke indoors. I mean, like there that. is one exception, though. Um, if you've never been to a big smoke sitting in a ballroom in a Vegas hotel smoking with 2000 other people, there is something about that, too. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it too, like, you know, I've smoked in Texas. We've done these shows where I've had like 40 fans on me at the same time trying to keep it cool <laughs> when it's like 105 degrees at midnight. But mm -hmm here it's different like we didn't even get into the 90s like i think our highest temp through this summer was 86 degrees right and like right now like in the middle of the, it gets it's freaking just ball shattering cold tonight but like in the middle of the day man it's like it you know it could be in the like low 60s and all the leaves are fall have fallen and stuff now and i got a beautiful view of the mountains man there's just something coming out on on my back deck and having a morning cigar with my cup of coffee, looking at the mountains and hearing all the animals and probably seeing a damn black bear standing in the yard. I was going to say there's a black bear sitting over there on your, on your Adirondack chair. So pretty, yeah. The odds are high as that happening. Yeah. I've Every also day. done events in uh, Phoenix, uh, Arizona, where 
you go in at six o'clock is 115 you come out at 10 it's 110 you go fuck you know balls <laughs> it's not good either way so you know sometimes yeah it's okay to be inside too all right this next question so uh, i played into your biases here a little bit tim so you won't get into too much trouble uh but uh would you more be more excited to see a collaboration uh, cigar between Hector Alfonso and James Brown or AJ Fernandez and Dion Giolito? Nielsen, I'll start with you. Hector and James, Hector and James Brown from Oveja Negra or AJ and Dion? I'm going to go, I will go with Hector. Um, and this is no knock on AJ because I like a lot of the AJ cigars. So I'm an, I'll, I'll preface this by saying I'm an AJ fan. However, the chances of me picking up a cigar and knowing it's an AJ right, right away and the profile that that's going to deliver, I think is going to be less unique than something that Hector and James would blend. So I'm going to go with Hector and James. See, I thought this would come up. So you don't think that Dion could 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 make a unique enough blend that would stand out that it wouldn't be a quote unquote oh, AJ cigar. I'm sure I'm sure he could, but if I've got a choice, I'll I'll take what I, I think my chances of being something unique would be higher with Hector and James than it would be Dion and AJ. Ben, what about you? this is too easy dude i'm gonna go with hector and james for sure i mean i love hector's stuff i mean we talk about that all the time and i don't yeah. like aj's stuff so that's pretty easy dion i love his stuff too but i just you know hector and james would be that would be kind of cool actually i would love to see something like that ben, this, or uh bear this is an a plus for a question by the way thank you uh but again, to yeah, to do your bias though, Ben, you you don't think Dion would Dion's, uh, you know, a, you know, addition to that collaboration would would bring out something that could you know, be uh, enticing to your palate? Not enough, no. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, because I love James makes some really interesting stuff, especially with the Blackworks stuff, Blackworks Studio stuff, and then Hector. He man, his stuff it just hits my palate like a vast majority of the time. So, I mean, the two yeah. people's uh, blending styles I really like versus the other one that's like one I really like and one I don't like at all. So, yeah, Hector and James for sure. Well, I'm glad you saved me for last in this question because I've had the privilege of smoking both those collaborations. Um, uh, when Hector, and by the way, if, if I uh, die here my my airpods about to die but i wanted to let you know that hector spends a lot of time with james they're good friends in nicaragua and he's mm -hmm. gone and played with james's tobacco and i've smoked some of the stuff that he's brought back and it could be a fantastic collaboration um i don't know whether or not that thing's ever going to see the light of day if they can work out that business deal but it's fantastic and on the other end Dion is coming out with an aj blend next year there's going to be an original documents habano that's made in the AJ Fernandez factory. That is going to be a new release in 2023. So that cigar is coming and it's, a, it's actually fantastic. He actually debuted it at the trade show this year. I got a chance to smoke it and it's going to be good. I mean, Dion is 
a magician when it comes to, you know, if you've got to smoke that Excalibur number one, that was, you know, stuff that he's created for general. He's very, very good at, at uh, manipulating, uh, you know, manipulating is the wrong word, but using other people's materials and creating something that's fantastic. So both of those cigars, if they ever saw what, I mean, the, the James and Hector collaboration could be fantastic. They may not get there, but I know that the AJ Dion one is coming. Yeah, I, um, Coop, Coop's actually in the chat and he actually mentioned, uh, mentioned that as well. So the, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm interested to see that. No, uh, but no, Tim, uh, no one on this panel actually got to try the, uh, the, the Excalibur that you, that you <laughs> talked about because uh, someone was supposed to get us the cigars, not you. Man, do we want to go here right now? <laughs> oh, boy. Just oh, boy. I'm just saying, uh, someone was supposed to get us the cigars and they didn't. So, um, you know, we've already cast aspersions on him earlier in the show. So it's fine. It's all fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's fine. Oh, it's I fine. Keep casting them. I don't mind. So, <laughs> I can keep going. Um, but, uh, let's go with the next, uh, this or that. So the next one is shift towards food as a complimentary starch to a meal. Would you rather have rice or noodles, rice or noodles, Ben? Noodles. Definitely. Which is, I, man, it's kind of hard to say being for somebody that's, um, part Cajun and from Cajun, grew up on Cajun food. But man, I do I love noodles. Like Italian food's my favorite food and Asian food is man, I love noodles. Like give me a bowl of ramen or pho, dude, I'm in heaven. So I'll I'll take noodles. I really were I really thought you were gonna say rice just because you're bringing it. So it's interesting. Tim, what about you? Yeah, rice. I mean, that's that's a staple of all our, our uh you know, uh, you know, being Chinese, that's a staple of our diet. So um, you know, I grew up on it and we ate it every day <laughs> as a kid. So, um, definitely, um, I love my noodles too, but I would uh, definitely take rice. What, what kind of noodles do you like? I'll eat it all. I'm the same with Ben. I like ramen. I love, uh, uh, Italian food is fantastic, you know, but again, Hey, you know, we gave it to, to, to the rest of the world. So man, <laughs> noodles came from us. All right. Aaron. Boy. Another hard-hitting question. Um, <laughs> gosh, because it would it would vary on ethnicity, but I guess if I've got to pick one, I'll go noodle. I think a little bit more. Um, I think it complements a little bit more than the rice. A little more versatile. Well, I'll give you another perspective. You know, we don't. As Chinese people are greeting, we don't say hello to each other. The question is, have you eaten your rice today? That is an actual greeting. We say, sick to fan mea, which is, have you eaten rice today? And that is our way of saying hello. So it's definitely an important part of the culture. I grew up on rice as well. Uh, you know, in a, in a Mexican household, we had a lot of rice. And yeah. uh, I've, I've definitely had a lot more uh, noodles in my later later part of my life. And I definitely like both, but uh, rice would have to be the staple for me. So um, movies or TV shows, if you're going to binge one, are you watching more films? Are you watching like, a, are you diving into a TV series, Tim? Um, these days I watch more TV series than movies um, just because you can, you know, control how much you have. You got a movie, you're committed two hours 
Whereas a TV show, you can watch one episode or you can watch three or whatever it may be because uh, you know the streaming services allow you to do that. So you get a little more flexibility in terms of time. And you know you get more, you get 10 episodes versus a movie, unless you're watching some sort of a series that's got three or four films in it, so. Awesome. Aaron. Man, I grew up, some of my fondest memories were my dad and I going to the movie theater, like he's a movie junkie. Um, but now just based on, but, you know, it goes back to what I said before about, I don't know if it's instant gratification, but it's that quick hitting, like Tim said, um, I find myself now watching way more series and than I do movies, but there's, there's just something so good about going to the movie theater. But if, if I'm at home, I'm going to go TV series. So series or yeah, television series. What two TVs like Tim, Aaron, what TV series are you guys into right now? Oh, well, I, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Okay. So there's two that I've been, we're, we're watching right now. We got hooked, uh, my wife and I over COVID so that, that we were, you know, you're home. So you're just trying to like binge watch, whatever. We watch a lot of the great British baking show. I know it sounds fucking ridiculous, but. Oh, that's a great show. What are you talking about? It's, 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 awesome. it, it's mindless and it's, it's kind of happy you know it's like there's so much down and so much negativity that you watch the the great british baking show i watched that a lot and then now it's coming back i think it came out tonight so i've been watching um yellowstone yellowstone see i thought but you I was, when you said embarrassing i thought you were gonna say love is blind no i Yellowstone, but but there was you know i love like peaky blinders but that's not on i mean i loved peaky blinders um loved uh what was it um Oh gosh, uh, I'll think of it a second. But uh, there, there's so many good series that came out on Netflix and that whole genre that um, you know that even goes back to like The Sopranos and stuff like that. So, but right now I'm, I'm Great British Baking Show and 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 uh, Yellowstone. Nice, Tim. What about you? What what have you dived in, dove into? You know, I'm a, uh, a sci-fi and a, a comic geek, so you know, recently a lot of. Uh, the Disney stuff with Star Wars. I've been watching Andor, um, which I thought was sort of the best out of all these uh, spinoffs that they've been doing. Um, and then, you know, I like to, um, I do a lot of uh, binge of uh, existing stuff like The Sopranos, but I've always loved The Wire. I, I don't mind watching that oh, yeah. pretty much anywhere. Um, and then, you know, I actually kind of enjoyed the Dahmer series a little bit on Netflix too. So that was, you know, it's freaky weird, which is, you know, that's what was great because it was different. Um, so, you know, that's the kind of stuff I've been watching. Billions too. That's another good one. Billions I was like, one, the one I couldn't think of was Ray Donovan. Big fan of Ray Donovan. <laughs> Ray Donovan's good show. Uh, ben, movies or TV? As somebody that saw Star Wars 482 times, I can't. I'm with you. <laughs> um, I would actually say TV, but I'm I'm kind of really specific actually when I do that. I, matter of fact, the weird thing the past few years is it's been almost exclusively european tv series mostly british tv series um, down down nabby you've been getting down with getting down with the abbey there ben one thousand percent it's one of my favorite shows of all time is down abbey i love i'm not, not i'm not knocking you man i'm i'm sh- I'm, I'm a little surprised it's a good show i'm oh dude i'm just you watch watched the uh the missing the missing oh i don't think so two two seasons the missing fantastic 
I'll have to check that out. But yeah, I watch a lot of a lot of British TV and like MI five was a was one that came out, was on the BBC, it was freaking awesome. Sherlock Holmes with Benedict Cumberbatch that was his big role was with the with the Sherlock Holmes there. there it was go. awesome. I, lo- I like I like I like I just like period stuff. Like you know, like Peaky Blinders, Boardwalk Empire, stuff like that, you know. I, I just because I'm a history lover, I I'm a history nut, right? So like you know, like I, I actually was almost became I started to do actually major in history in college because it's my first love, but I didn't know what I would do with it when I got it. So like even now I'm kind of, I'm finishing up my MBA right now, but I, I talked to my wife. She's like, I don't know why you're doing that. Why don't you get your degree in history? It's so I'm, I'm actually toying with the idea of maybe getting my PhD in history after this. And I, I don't know if I'll ever just for my own gratification, probably. But so I like shows like that because to me, like like Downton Abbey to me, that that's like a a a snapshot of time, a specific time in British history from you know at the the turn of the 20th century at you, you know victorian era up until world war ii it was really cool to see how the british aristocracy kind of changed during that time and that show really showcased that really well so i loved stuff like that on the flip side of it i'm a huge sci-fi fan right because I, I like all the star trek series stargate the Star Wars series from Disney Plus have been mostly shit. Andor has been pretty good. Um, but I, I I really like sci-fi stuff, Firefly, Babylon 5, all that all, all that stuff too. I mean, honestly, every all my family knows this. The reason that I went to engineering school, honestly, was Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> That came on, started when I was in middle school and went on past my high school, and it really got me heavily into science and engineering because a lot of that show actually used true science and uh, principles and physics and everything, and it, it just, it was really cool. And it made me start delving into more like, oh, that's cool. Is that really true? And I went to research it. And actually, that's why I went to engineering school. Was that freaking TV show? So I know, things. I know uh, you and 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 I can I don't know Tim, but but uh, Bear, you guys are you know history. I don't know if you guys it's free. Is Curiosity Stream? Oh yeah, I have it. They did a, the, those series they did on like World War One and World War Two and Vietnam. They are outstanding if to watch. Yeah, I, Vietnam is. Uh, that era is one that I've um, kind of only been starting to kind of watch the past several years because um, I couldn't really watch any Vietnam stuff while I was growing up at home because my dad was in Vietnam. He was there during the Tet Offensive. And if he watched some of that stuff, like if you watched too much of it, it wasn't good. Um, so I we my mom really wouldn't allow us to watch anything like Platoon or China Beach or in China China Beach was actually his unit. It was about his, the unit he was in, forty fourth medevac. So mm. he was actually the infantry. He was a, a sergeant in the infantry platoon that would go into major battles and firefights 
fight their way in, rescue the wounded, and bring them back to the field hospital. So, but he would sometimes have flashbacks when he would watch that stuff. It's crazy. And uh, so, yeah, we didn't we didn't watch that stuff. So it's only been recently that I've kind of delved more into it. Um, and it was almost a little bit more because I want to learn more about what it was like when my dad was in. And it kind of started when I um, met a gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps that was at my cigar shop Biloxi and super nice guy. loved him to death. And he actually was in Vietnam the exact same time a village over from where my dad was. He told me a lot of stuff about what was going on in the area during that time that I never knew because my dad would never talk about it ever. So, and it's only like been recently that I've been trying to learn more about it, you know, and get more involved into, you know, learn more about that stuff and watch some of those things that I couldn't go back in the day. Like, so that's kind of one area of history that I'm really lacking in that I'm trying to fix is that about the Vietnam War. But mainly what I like is World War II. That's that's my biggest one. So any shows about World War II, especially aviation, I mean, I, I love World War II aviation, but that's the kind of shows that I got to gravitate to as well, you know. And uh, there's actually one, and I cannot remember the name of it. I'll talk about, I was trying to rack my brain while I was talking about Vietnam, was there was a show, it was actually about the... Um, the founding of the nursing corps, the British army during World War One, at the time. It was really freaking good. Um, really historically accurate too, because they actually used real true historical figures as the characters in there. And uh and I cannot remember the name of it, but basically the lead the lead uh actor in there, um, she was a nurse that was uh in the British Army, and she was actually um running one of the field hospitals and whenever they had to pull back the trenches like the british army would fall back she didn't want to leave the wounded so she was actually trying to take care of the wounded the british and as the germans came over she was trying to help german soldiers too she was just there to give aid to try to save people and ended up the germans actually killed her as a they thought she was a spy so they they um they killed her and kind of the whole thing was based off of her story. I cannot remember the name of it. And I, I don't remember if it was a British TV show or it was Canadian that baited, but uh it's really good. I had to look that up. But it was a good show. I like but that's the shows I like. I like either history stuff or sci-fi. Top of is the spectrum, the future or the past. You know, that's kind of what I like. And I and I'll binge watch them hardcore that's one of the things i like i'll sit outside like right beside me there's a tv and i'll come out here and have a cigar and watch binge watch some of those shows that's what i that's what i like to do thanks the uh for me it'll always be film i'll always i'll always i always enjoy film over television i love some tv shows out there too but um for me i i've i've just i've been constantly mesmerized by film for the longest time uh you know growing up my father and i would watch john wayne movies oh yeah so Me that's what, i mean that's what i grew up on uh it was a really proud day for me when i i had rio bravo playing one day when my seven-year-old son came home from school and he was just sat down and watched it with me it was great 
and he loved it. This is a kid, you know, likes cartoons, obviously, but he was really into it, so it was cool. Um, yeah, but, my dad used to watch a lot of the John Wayne movies, just just like you did. I would sit down with my dad and watch John Wayne too. Yeah, that's really cool. The uh, um, and ironically, we didn't like like kind of similar to your dad. Uh, we didn't watch any of the war ones. Uh, we watched it was always the westerns. Like, um, I mean, I I I've seen like Sands of Iwo Jima and a couple of the other ones. Um, but uh, but it's always been the westerns for us. But uh, uh, by far uh, the best movie in the last five years, I would say the past ten years. Uh, it was just an incredible movie going experience. Uh, I bought I bought it um, and I own it now too, and I've watched it so many times. It's Top Gun Maverick. I thought that was the phenomenal phenomenal film experience. It was incredible what they did. So I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yep. That was the last movie I saw in the theaters. It was fantastic. I agree with you. So, all right um last bit of thing last round of thank yous and then last two questions gentlemen thank you so much for being a part of tonight so far but i uh, wanted to thank uh, again the last few guests uh, that have appeared in the last few uh few weeks howard gums uh nick labretti karen berger um and uh a few more folks as well a lot of repeat guests as we've had some time which has been great uh and uh, those are the uh, those are the last folks. Alec Cuevas also made an appearance. Michael Capellini of Toscano Cigars uh, in the last few weeks have uh, been the last few new ones. We've got a couple of new folks uh, coming on takes in the next few weeks. I'm excited to continue doing this uh, week after week and bringing in phenomenal guests, bringing some back uh, like you gentlemen have all made several appearances now on the show. It's been it's been terrific. So really looking forward to the next five years and the, and some of the new guests that will be coming on and some of the repeat guests will too. So it'll be good stuff. But, uh, um, last couple of questions here. So, um, this one is for you, Tim, the, uh, these gentlemen have already answered this one before in a previous, uh, show that they were on, but this is our asylum cigars moment. So our next segment is brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest moments and reflection can be found in our own personal asylum. So moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So Tim, this segment is about the cigar. Like you mentioned the uh, a few moments ago, like, you know, when you've been to a, a big smoke and there's something, there's something great about you know, smoking with 2000 other people and, and you, you go in and out of shops as part of your job and you, you spend a lot of time with the cigar community. This is a very community driven uh, hobby and pastime that we're all a part of. We all enjoy smoking with each other like we're doing tonight. Um, but every so often we have those moments where it's just us, it's just us and the cigar and that's it. Uh, you could be listening to music, maybe watching a show, maybe nothing, but those are some of those are some of the magical moments with cigars. I'm sure you've had several over the years, but what's a moment that you can recall, Tim, that it was just you and the cigar? If you can remember what the cigar was, let us know. But what was that moment of reflection like for you? Hold on. Can you see me still? My iPad's yes. about to die. So. Yes. Um, well, you know, I it's um I think the the best um kind of experience, you know, and I'm not really celebrity driven, um, but I've done a lot of events that, uh, you know, you get to meet a lot of people and unique and it's, you know, it's always the good, the bad and the ugly. But uh, I remember there's a picture that uh, I'll have to show you, but this is very early in my, my, um, my career. 
I was doing the celebrity golf tournament in like I remember um, the story. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm just sitting there minding my own business, watching the celebrities go by. And the biggest attraction is always Michael Jordan. He plays in that tournament every year with Barkley and everybody. And you know, so they're all waiting for him at the tee box to kind of get their autographs and get those cigars. And I just was sitting off to the side and he comes right down from the last the hole and sits right down next to me. And I'm like, you know, the picture, the look at my face, like, holy crap, that's Michael Jordan. And he's sitting there and I got two minutes with them uninterrupted before the masses came down. And, you know, I'm just smoking a cigar with Jordan. Got the, somebody was kind of snap a picture at that moment. And I remember sending it back to the office. They're like, this is what we pay you for. Guys working for Toronto cigars back then. And Charlie Toronto said, this is what we pay you for. I'm like, yes, it is, you know. There's, there's very few people that, you know, you do, you, you know, that kind of uh, will make a, you know, kind of give that look of awe. And he was one of them. And I got a chance to smoke with him for a couple of minutes before, uh, you know, he went on to the next uh, episode for him. So to me, I always remember uh, when I was smoking a Toronto cigar, I was just sitting there with, uh, with him. I got, like I said, two minutes. What do you ask that guy? You know, I asked him, how is he playing? And if I get him a cigar, you know, so no, I'm fine. And he walked off. That was it. So that was my moment of greatness. I got to sit with Jordan for a couple of minutes and smoke a cigar with him. You remember what Toronto you were smoking? Uh, I believe it was either the exit. Yeah, it was probably, it was the Exodus 1959. Man, that was such a good cigar. Yeah, it was so miss good. Cigar. Miss that. <laughs> Absolutely. I miss a lot of their blends. I love the signature and the 1960. Oh, 1960. Dude, I had, I had one uh, yeah. a month ago. Oh yeah. They, they're yeah. still out there. They're still out there if you can find them, but they are. So. I have a couple of boxes buried. The Corona Gorda, fantastic. That's the one I had. Exactly mm -hmm. what I had. That was the one that yep. sold the least. That's why it's still available. <laughs> you know, nobody liked that size back then. So, I have half a box of Virtuoso that I found the other day. Yeah. Ben, At that age, it's uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, ben and I have this happen to us all the time, where we like we'll be diving through our cigars and we'll find stuff. It's pretty cool. But that's one of the funny things in the irony is life. Like I, I'll go into certain stores that I've been doing business with for 15, 20 years and I'll find a box of something. I sold them way back when. And I was like, you still have this? And of course I'll buy back a bunch of it just because, you know, for nostalgia purposes, like, you know, that's funny that, that you've been around long enough to buy back cigars. You sold to somebody. Awesome. That's pretty cool. All right. So going into our last segment, I'd like to uh, take this moment to, uh, feature uh, we feature a charity every week on this show, mm -hmm. and in honor of our uh, our absent brother tonight, uh, Mr. Will Cooper, we're going to be uh, featuring the Sepsis Alliance. Uh, it's been it's mm -hmm. a fantastic organization that uh, that he's been really a part of the last couple of years, and he's been uh, doing a lot of work with them. Uh, and it's just been a fantastic organization uh, that raises awareness for something that doesn't get a lot of talk, and uh, you know. You know, there's always encouragement to know the signs to make sure that uh, you can get taken care of. And, you know, septic shock can happen uh, anytime. And it can happen when you're outside the hospital, it can happen when you're inside the hospital. Uh, one of the most famous cases in recent years has been the quarterback, Alex Smith, you know, went in for a, a knee surgery, um, one, of many, one of many knee surgeries. And, you know, his body went into septic shock and there was, uh, you know, you know, talk that he may never walk again. He may never, he may not survive. And and he actually ended up playing in an NFL game after that. So, um, Sepsis Alliance does incredible work and it's something that, uh, that Coop has uh, been working diligently with, 
Um, you know, he's told his story several times about how uh, a few years ago he uh, he battled through it and went through it. And that's when he became aware of it and started uh, working for it. So uh, we're going to be uh, featuring uh, Sepsis Alliance. So anyone listening, uh, whether they're listening live here on Facebook, um, I'm going to post the uh, the web address in the chat. This will also be in the show notes too. Sepsis, uh, uh, Sepsis Alliance is uh, sepsis.org. It's very easy. Sepsis.org is the website. Uh, you can go there and you can donate. Uh, if anyone, you can donate anything that you'd like. Um, please uh, feel free to learn some more about it. If you feel so called to donate, that's great. Uh, but I have a special surprise for anyone who sends me a screenshot. Uh, for the first person who sends me a screenshot of a, a donation of $50 or more, um, I will send you a box of cigars. And the box of cigars will be of your choice. I've had uh, five previous number one cigars of the year, starting with the Espinosa Habano in 2017. Also, the uh, Christoph Vengeance, the uh, Encore Valientes from EP Carrillo, uh, and the most recent two have been the La Barba Ricochet Crew Mexi Soul and the Dissident Rave. So it'll be your choice, and I will send you a box of cigars to the first person who sends me a screenshot of showing that they donated $50 or more to Sepsis Alliance. Go to sepsis.org, and the first person to send me a screenshot, you can DM me over Facebook uh, at Bear, uh, Bear Duplissy. You can go to my Instagram handle, LLSofumar. Uh, you can message me through the show on Facebook. Um, my email address is also on my Facebook page. That's lsfumar at gmail.com. But the first person to send me a screenshot of donating $50 or more will get a box of their choice of one of my number one cigars. Not all of them, just one. Uh, but you get a box of cigars. Uh, great choices out of all of those. So uh, so check it out, sepsis.org. And you know what? If you can't donate 50, that's totally okay. They take all amounts uh, and it's a great organization that our good friend will cooper has been a part of and it's something he believes in greatly and i encourage you to check it out so um all right gentlemen last question of the evening and i greatly appreciate your time i know devices are dying and yeah. everything <laughs> so here here's the here the question doesn't really pertain to you tim because you're gonna you're gonna be here so on my 10th anniversary okay. show yeah. on my 10th anniversary show Aaron, Ben, will you be in the industry? And if you are, will you be guests on this show with me and Tim? Because Tim will be here on my 10th anniversary show if he can be so. So, of course. What kind of question. Uh, dumb, that's the easiest question of the night. Although I, I don't know. know in the industry, but whatever capacity I am in, which hopefully, you know, in this capacity or something of the kind, of course, we'll be here. Fantastic. Well, uh, Tim, I can't thank you enough. Um, you've, and, uh, you've before done the show. I sign off, I will be here in five years. I promise that. <laughs> I know. I know. You'll be a member of this industry for as long as long as possible. And you've yeah. been a great member uh, for the last two decades, Tim. You've done so much for me and so much for this industry. I can't thank you enough. Uh, this in The invitation is always open. I hope you continue to join me every year. This gets more and more fun. Uh, it's been a great fifth anniversary show, and it couldn't have, couldn't have, uh, uh, couldn't have, couldn't have happened without you. So thank you. Well, appreciate it. I appreciate you having me always. So always, as long as you have me here, I'll be. So remember, everyone, smoke Wong and prosper. That's Tim Wong, everybody, uh, and uh, for everyone out there, we do appreciate all those likes, shares, comments. Keep them coming. 
We do appreciate that last segment, although brief, the curveball segment of the night is always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park seven consecutive years in the consensus top three. Thanks to our good friend Steve Saka at Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, Tom Lazuka at Asylum Cigars, Oliver Nouveau, and the entire team of United Cigars, Drew Estate as well, and Protocol Cigars are wonderful sponsors that have made this past year so wonderful and so possible. This was our fifth anniversary show, everybody. It was my pleasure to welcome in Aaron Lewis of Developing Palettes, Ben Lee, and Aaron Nielsen of the Cigar Coop Coalition. And Mr. Tim Wong, as I just mentioned a moment ago, I'm Barry Duplicity, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Hazel, Texas. Cannot thank Alec Bradley enough for also putting this together tonight. It would not be a show without them. We can't thank them enough as well. For everyone out there, I'm Barry Duplicity. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time. Good night, guys. See ya. See ya.